This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey, it's me, Dr. Fuck, from Thresher Dying Combat, and also with me, as always, is... Oh, yeah! Yeah! Beer! Ian Wadley from New Orleans. Wadzilla, the Ayatollah Rockarola, which I gave him and he has yet to pay me royalties for that. And uh, we are here to do uh, the Pantera. Pantera tribute. Uh, no, well, we do do, do a tribute. And uh, a review of the Great Southern Trend Kill. Yes! With Kirsten from uh, the Pantera Project. That's true. Uh, Doug Sizzak is not on this episode, right? It's Chris Sizzak. Okay, I just and, and his name's Kirsten, not Kirsten. Okay, Kirsten. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's a damn good episode. As uh, many of you know, we record the review, then we tack on this news thing, and we got a lot of news to talk about. So let's get right in it, Ian. What's up? All right. Well, before we even get to the news. I gotta thank the listeners for making January 2016. Even though it's been kind of a sad year with all these deaths, it's been our best month ever. And it's not even done yet. And uh, already, our most successful, the show keeps growing and growing. It's thanks to you guys tuning in every week, spreading the word, tagging the show. And I just want to thank you guys very, very much. Thank you. <laughs> all right. And as always, we've got new iTunes gotta read those so let's get to them this one is entitled awesome five star review by crack 2112 and i know who crack 2112 is crack as in cocaine crack yeah this guy this guy tries to act like he's very uh you know religious and upstanding but i i, I know how dirty he is behind closed doors and crack 2112 simply says you guys kick serious butt. Love the podcast and are an inspiration to all. That's true. It's a true story. Yeah. And uh, so thank you for your review, Crack2112. Uh, now let's go to a really, really cool review. I, I like this one a lot. This is uh, from B. Moore from Ohio. A five-star review, and it's entitled Best Out of Them All. And he says, I've listened to tons of podcasts involving hard rock and metal, and this is by far the best. Ralph and Ian seem to be able to do what so many other podcasts fail to do when it comes to album reviews, and that is make the entire show interesting and entertaining. The comedy is top-notch, and it doesn't get in the way of the knowledge and insight regarding the album being reviewed. Even when I might not be a huge fan of a particular album they review, which is rare... These guys' balls-busting humor still makes me want to listen to the entire show. Thank you for the outstanding tribute to Lemmy. It was a classic, just like the man himself. Just wanted to say I really appreciate the show and wish you guys the best. Can't wait till the next episode and hear Ian crack the first beer and yell, Oh yeah! I'm a fan for life. Thanks, guys. Thank you, uh, B. Moore from Ohio. That was a very nice review. Thank you so much. That was awesome. And and you did the, the, the thing that Ralph loves the most. You've always got to mention Ralph's name first. 
and then mine. Yeah, that's why I just said I really like that. <laughs> I know, I know he gave you a little praise and, and not that much praise to me. He gave you a little more praise to me, but that's okay as long as you put my name first. Yes, yes. Ralph has added his contract. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, now there's going to be a rash of reviews of Ian and Ralph. Watch. <laughs> no, they know better. They know better. <laughs> Uh, now, unfortunately, we got to start this off on a somber note, and uh, we have to mention the passing of the great Jimmy Bain. And uh, very sad. I was so happy to see uh, all your posts and reviews of the last line show you saw in Miami, and you were so excited and, and said what an incredible show it was. And to know that you saw one of his last shows, uh, very sad. Very sad. Yeah, he died. He died three days later. And you know, I mean, I should have saw it coming because he looked really bad. And he was very frail on stage and he just didn't look like like he was healthy at all. He looked bad. Right. And um but the but my god, I got to tell you, I've been going to the show since 1979. That last in line show is definitely in my top 10 of greatest shows I've ever seen. Wow. It was so fucking good. They, I mean, those new songs, they played new, three new songs from the album that's coming out, I believe, February 20th, but uh, Mr. X said he's going to have it February 15th. That's right. So, uh, um, but it, those three songs are great, and I just heard a new song, um, I forgot the name of it, that was also awesome, too, so I I, I can't wait to get this um, this show, but, and you know, and I shot a video of that night of uh, them doing Invisible. And I put it up on YouTube as a little tribute to Jimmy Bain. And uh, Blabbermouth uh, posted it. And now it's got like, I don't know, like 15,000 views in one day. It's insane. But enough of that. Enough of me enjoying a show. Wow, man. This guy's like a legend. I got to tell you a funny story. When, when I was there, I wanted to meet them. Because I got there really early. This was not a show for the public. Actually, this show wasn't even promoted. This was a free show for the people that are going on the Def Leppard cruise. So Alex and I went early to see if there's some way we can get in. And uh, yeah, they, they charge us 30 bucks each, which if you ask me, man, that was a bargain. Cause we not only did we get last in line, we got Tom Kiefer who fucking ruled. He did a lot of um, Cinder uh, Cinderella stuff. And uh, Eric, what's his name from Mark. Mr. Big? Oh, that was horrendous. Yeah. That was really bad. He did like an acoustic set and it was beyond I'll boring. In, I'll get into that but, later in the news, trust me. And then uh, Tom Kiefer came out and he fucking, man, did he kick ass. A lot of killer Cinderella songs. It was mostly Cinderella songs with about like maybe two two or three solo songs. And he did an amazing version of uh, Little Help from My Friend, the Joe Cocker version. Where, holy fuck, I, and I filmed that, so I should put that up on YouTube. Whoa, man, he screams his ass off. Still got a great voice, brought his wife out. They did a version of Can't, can't what is it? Uh, don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, which I was never a fan of that song, but he did it acoustically, and boy, I loved it. It was really good. And uh, that was great. And then I was, dude, believe me, after Tom Keeper, I was like, dude, how's the last line going to follow that up? But they did, man. They did Invisible. They did I Speed at Night. Um, you know, a lot of deep cuts, man, from the D.O. years. And, and Vivian, man, was just 
smoke and, and believe me I was very impressed by Vinny Vinny you see here's the thing about Vinny Apiece Vinny Apiece when he plays Dio music he rules when he plays Black Sabbath music he plays safe you know what I'm saying kind of like Cozy Powell Cozy Powell's amazing right. drummer but in Black Sabbath he just kept right. the beat I agree so all I can say, like I said, man, rest in peace, Jimmy Bain. What and and oh, uh, something I forgot to mention. I got there early to meet the band, and when we got there, they said they just left, and I was so fucking bummed. So I'm hanging out with my friend Greg that showed up, and we went to my car because I left my drink there, and I go to my car, and then he goes, "Oh shit, there's Jimmy," and I was like, "Where? Jimmy's right there." I was like, "Oh shit," but it was his friend Jimmy. It wasn't ah, Jimmy Bain. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, hey Jimmy Bain." <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, so that's my story. And yes, what an honor to get to see this legend, Jimmy Bain, like three days before he passed away. I do believe they did a show on the ship. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I, so. I saw a picture. It looked like they were playing on ship. So that was his last show. But And I heard he had pneumonia, but that's not confirmed. There's some jackass that right when he announced, they announced he died, some jackass said he was killed by a bear. Oh, and I was like, wow, really? Is that a bear on the cruise? Wow. And Vinny Apiece came out super pissed because uh, they announced the news before it got to Jimmy Bain's yeah, family. Yeah, And Simon Wright was yeah, one of Simon them. Simon Wright and Diana DeVille. And, uh, That's not And uh, Yeah, it, it sucks. That's one of the things, like, in this day and age where you can post something right away. And I don't know if these people necessarily even thought of that, though. Like, you, you know, they might have just said, holy shit without thinking, hey, his family might not even know. So I, I don't think it was malicious, but I can... I, yeah, yeah, no, that's I, for sure. I can sure. understand why they would be upset, though, too. But I... Yeah, I, yeah no, no, of course. You know, but, uh, you know, Jimmy Bay, you know, we've lost some true legends, and, you know, there might be some people out here that don't know who Jimmy Bain is, but they should, because he was in Rainbow. He played on Rainbow Rising. Uh, he also yeah. had a band, uh called the wild horses that he started with brian robinson uh is that good i, I just got it today and it, it's it's not too bad it's it's send it yeah, to me send yeah it it's, me. it's it, you know it's basic rock and roll but it, but it's good you know uh what year did that uh, come the out first album was in 80 and the second album was in 81 wow this is pretty oh yeah oh yeah well he did uh you know he, he's from scotland and he played in some bands around there. He had a band called Harlot uh, that went to, you know, did the London scene and everything. He turned down an offer to join the Babies with John Waite. Uh, yeah. Decided to do his own thing. And Richie Blackmore saw him playing with Harlot and asked him to join. And, of course, he was on Rainbow Rising. He was on uh, the on-stage record. And then, you know, as Blackmore's famous for doing, he fired him before they did uh, Long Live Rock and Roll. Then he started, uh, you know, Wild Horses with, with uh, Brian Robertson, and he also played on Phil's uh, first solo album. I don't know if he played on the second one. I know he played on the first one, and uh, or yeah, he did play on the second because he co-wrote uh, Mild or Mild Town. That's the name. Yeah, no, yeah, my God, yeah, yeah, I love Old that Town. song. Yeah. yeah, Old Town. That's I love that yeah, song. Yeah, Jimmy Bain co-wrote that. Yeah. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. I did see pictures of Jimmy Bain with yeah. Phil online and by the way richie blackmore had some very kind words to say about um him uh, after oh i didn't away. see that yeah yeah it's on yeah i have richie blackmore on my facebook 
And he said very, he said something to the effect of Jimmy Payne was a very kind man, very talented, and it's, I'm very sad to hear about his past. So he did say oh, nice okay. things about him. But you know, Blackmore just, Blackmore fires people for shits right. and giggles. He doesn't fire him because of lack of talent. He's like, ah, oh, you know, the way, the way Rainbow works, if you really look at the history of Rainbow, there was never a lineup in Rainbow that lasted uh, more than right. one album, right? I mean, I could be, I'm a little I, sketchy. I, I, I mean, was... difficult to cure and straight between the I, eyes. Did, I think they had a different keyboard player. No, actually, I think those are the only ones that have the same, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All right, because uh, I know, you know, because if anything, it has to be the keyboard player because Ron Donnelly, right. Jolyn Turner, and Glover, and Glover were on right. both. So. I know Don Airy played on... Uh, it is, it is. Don Airy played on Difficult to Cure, but straight between the eyes, a different keyboard player, because I remember the videos, that wasn't Don right. Airy. So there you go. Every album, and then, you know, Bent Out of Shape had a different drummer. Then Stranger Than Saul had a different complete yeah, lineup. exactly. So, so I guess, you know, he was the scapegoat, Jimmy Bain. It's like, all right, you, you, you go, you know? Right. Anyway, so... But he, um, he also played, uh, he also played with Gary Moore. Uh, he played with John Cale from fucking uh, Velvet Underground. He, I mean, he did, uh, he played with Roy Harper, uh, Kate Bush. I mean, a wide selection of, of artists. And then here's something I've always heard different stories about this. And Ralph, I, I don't know if you got anything to add to this. But uh, did you know that when they were, the Scorpions were recording Love at First Sting, uh, I believe they kicked out Francis. Uh, the bass player, I cannot pronounce his last name. And uh, what's uh, the drummer? Uh, Herman. Re his last name is his name. Yeah. And, and Herman Rebel left the band. Now, I always heard that even though it wasn't announced that they came back before the album was released, that it was Jimmy Bain on bass and Bobby Rondinelli on drums. Wow, that I didn't know. And, and funny enough, they're both gone later on. Right. And uh, so I. I, I heard different things about whether that was released on the album, but I saw this new thing. It's up on Wikipedia. You know, they do get shit wrong sometimes, and I've been guilty of falling for it. But it says here that Rudolph brought him into the band and wanted him to join the Scorpions, but the management said no. They wanted to keep it all uh, a German lineup. So so right. Francis was brought back, and they said that Bane's bass uh, recordings were deleted. Now, as far as what happened with Bobby Rondinelli, I don't know, but I do know that they recorded the album with Rondinelli and Bane, but I don't know if it was re-recorded before the release of the album. But that, yeah, I kind, I kind of don't think that is Rondinelli because I, I can tell that guy's drunk. Right. All right. Well, then of course, uh, you know, he was. In Which, by the way, I just want to interject this. I find it very funny how Rondinelli on Cross Purposes is pretty much not so safe as cozy and. And uh, uh, who was the other one that I mentioned uh, before? Vinny Appice. Yeah, Vinny Appice. You know, Rondinelli was a little more adventurous on Cross Purposes. Maybe because the songs called for it. But anyway, continue. Uh, but of course, what most people know Jimmy Bain for is Dio. And, uh, you know, very important member of that band. And he was with them from the first album through Dream Evil. And then he came back for Magica. And I was thinking to myself earlier, I was like, fuck, did I ever get to see Jimmy Bain? Because I didn't get to see Dio back in the day. I didn't see Dio to the Magicka tour. But then I remembered, 
Jimmy Bain did play on that tour, on the U.S. tour. Yeah. He did it. He did yes. not play on the European tour, but on the on the U.S. tour. So luckily, I did get to see the great Jimmy Bain. Um, he played on my all-time favorite song, Stargazer, yes. and what an amazing album, Rainbow Rising, one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. He was on it. I mean, Jimmy Bain to me, like, hit me hard. Look, man, I'm not an Eagles fan, and I was sad to hear anybody die, even if I'm not a fan of, but, you know, Glenn Fry was, like, all over Facebook, and Jimmy Bain was as well, but I don't know. I mean, of course, not a lot of people know Jimmy Bain, but more people know Glenn Fry, and rightfully so, because the Eagles have, like, the greatest selling album of all time, you know, but can't say I'm an Eagles fan, man. But I was shocked. That was shocking, I gotta tell you. Glenn Fry died. Well, well, again, it's like, I didn't realize until I'm actually reading this. I mean, it makes sense, but you don't think about your rock stars as aging. But Jimmy Bain was 68. You know, Glenn Fry was 67. And I was like, holy shit, they're that old? But then I'm thinking like, fuck, I'm gonna be 42 in May. You know, but I still feel like I'm fucking 15. (laughs) You know, but... We're all getting older. But uh, Jimmy Bain, I, I'm glad we're bringing attention to this in case we... I, I'm sure most of our listeners know who Jimmy Bain is, but maybe there's... Oh, every one of them. Every single maybe one. Maybe, you know, we got some younger listeners that might not know the history, and that's why we want to talk about it. Also, another thing that's important, and I had heard this years prior, that Jimmy Bain was really the one that started the whole uh, uh, hearing aid project. Uh, you know, he... Uh, yes. Well, uh, Ronnie said it was Jimmy and Vivian. Vivian. Yeah, but but it, it, Jimmy had the idea, you know, brought it up, and then him and uh, Vivian started to ride it. Then Dio jumped in. But really, you know, everybody always looks at that as, you know, Dio's We Are the World. They look at it as Ronnie James Dio's We Are the World. But Jimmy Bain was actually the guy who said, hey, let's do something. And uh, Yeah, and if you watch the home video, Ronnie does give them both credit, and he just jumped on. Ronnie even That's said, good. It's their brainchild. So Ronnie didn't. At least Ronnie on the home video didn't take credit. That's so. cool. That's cool. But, uh, you know, got to thank them just for that, for the money they raised for that. You know, it, it's kind of like only metalheads and old metalheads know about hearing aid. But that's a great thing that the metal community did that didn't get the same respect as we are the world. But it, and, it, and it made a lot of yeah, money. And I believe hearing aid made a couple, like $2 million and or something. Supposedly, like it's supposed to get re-released. Uh, it might be coming out this yeah. year. And, uh, That'd be yeah. awesome. I love that home video. Uh, Spinal Tap was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Jimmy Bain, he, he went back to D.O. for Magica, like I said, got to see him, and then he left again. And basically, I don't think he like he doesn't like Greg Golden. A lot of the band didn't like Greg Golden. Yeah, and, and no, exactly, all of them. Uh, D.O. said it, and Jimmy Bain even went on record saying, it was a huge mistake getting rid of him. Yeah, yeah. he, he was very upset about that, actually. Right. So, you know, he did he did confirm though. You know, uh, when I put up before Jimmy died, obviously, when I put up the last line thing, there there were a couple. Not on my post, but on Ruben De La Rosa. I love post, that guy. He uh, a couple, you know, friends of mine bashed the last line, going, "Oh fuck Vivian, fuck Vivian," but you know. The thing you got to understand, I mean, one thing I will say about Vivian Campbell that I don't, I'm not too happy about, was how he bashed metal, and then he comes back after Dio dies. I don't find that cool at all. Now, the whole thing between him and Ronnie, 
You know, everybody thinks, oh, because he badmouthed Ronnie. He badmouthed Ronnie while Ronnie was still alive. And Ronnie is on videos wishing him right. death. Okay? Vivi Vivian never went that far. Now, I'm not here to bash Dio because I love Dio and he's the coolest guy I ever met in any band ever. So I love Ronnie James Dio. But at the same time, Jimmy Bain confirms it. Uh, and, you know, he was treated badly and they fired Vivian Campbell. It wasn't like he left the band. Right. Okay? So, uh, Jim, uh, Vivian Campbell was in a headlining band that was headlining arenas. Of course, he probably was very bitter after he left. And then, you know, he went all, ah, I want to be metal. And then he started bashing metal. And now he's back. And not only is he back, but he's back with a vengeance because this last the line shit. I mean, the jury's out about the rest of the album, but I love these songs that came out. And what I saw live, that guy did not miss a step. Every note, every solo to all those old Dio songs, he nailed it as well as the, the rest of the band. Now, Jimmy Bain, he was just a, you know, your Ian Hillish right. type holding it down. He wasn't really doing, you know, crazy shit, but hey, man, as frail and sickly as he looked, he played well, man. He, you know, he kept the, him and uh, Vinny had that great, you know, rhythm section. And oh my God, I haven't even mentioned the singer. Holy fuck, what an amazing yeah, singer like that, that guy, guy is. What's his Andrew name? Andrew Freeman, I believe. I found out he was in a couple bands, too, that I'm aware of. Uh, he was in, um, oh, fuck. Well, wh whatever, man. He, he he does have a history, because I, I I looked into his shit, and he's played in a couple bands before that, that, that were good. Anyway, yeah, oh, my God. He did those old deal songs, like, so good. So all in all, like I said, top 20 show of all time. And, Ian, you're my witness. I'm not saying this because Jimmy Bain died. I wrote this. The night I got home from that show. Oh, oh yeah, I saw your photo. I was so happy for you that you got to see it. Yeah, I was, I was gushing. I made my little picture, uh, Last in Line's album cover, which I love that album cover, by the way. The little kid doing the devil horns. Yeah. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so, man, rest in peace, Jimmy, man. Anything else you want to say about the great Jimmy Bain? Uh, you know, just that, you know, remember Jimmy Bain, you know. Uh, you know, let's keep his legacy alive. I will. Let's Let's keep playing the albums he was part of and stuff and, and honor his memory. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people, that, unfortunately, because of age, you're going to see start dropping this year. And, uh, you know, just remember, but not, not everybody's Lemmy, not everybody's a front man, but there's people like Jimmy Bain who are just as important, even though you might not know their name as much as some of these others. They're just important to this music and this whole movement that we love. So much respect to Jimmy Bain. Yeah, and you know what, man? I hope they continue. I hope they get a bass player because this this band needs to be heard, man, and yeah. they need to continue. So, and, and they finished. Uh, they did another show on the on the on the cruise with uh, Eric Brittenham, I believe, from, from Cinderella was playing bass for him. No, what was he doing on that show? Yeah, I, I don't know. I and if he was there, how come it wasn't Cinderella? <laughs> yeah, just yeah, because Tom Kiefer played with a solo band, which was great, by the way. Yeah, I don't get that though. Like if. 95% of your show's Cinderella songs. Just go out with Cinderella. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you get more money if you just go yeah, by. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is, yeah. But it makes me feel bad for the guys in Cinderella. But uh, anyway, we had another passing that you mentioned briefly. Uh, that surprisingly, uh, a lot of our listeners had, had mentioned, and that's Glenn Fry. 
And, you know, Eagles are one of those bands, you know, you either love them or you hate them or you love to hate them. I'm kind of like in between. It's like I listen to Eagles songs and it's like, well, it's not horrible, but I just can't grasp it. You know what I mean? It's right. like, I love, you know, believe it or not, I know it sounds fucking trendy, but I, I, I do like Hotel California. I think that's a good song. Played the fuck out. And, I, you know, when it comes on the radio, I do switch it. But right. it's a good that one. That was a song in my youth that I did dig. I liked. Um, I love in the city, even though technically yeah. that's yeah. not an Eagles song. Yeah, it was a Joe Walsh song. He did, but that's stories. like my favorite one out of all of them. Right. But uh, oh, oh, and Disco Strangler. Oh, that's I, a great song. I love, see, Long Run's my favorite album because to me that's their most rocking album. This, yeah. Is Disco Strangler uh, sung by Glenn Fry or is that? I think that's Don Henley. Uh, Don Henley. Yeah, I love that song. Oh, That's yeah. a great song. Oh, yeah. Uh, Long Run's definitely my favorite Eagles album. I have that on vinyl. I have that, and I have On the Border on vinyl. Right. Is that the name of it? Yeah. On the, I got that one. I got um, Hotel California, Long Run, and I may have another one. These are just like hand-me-downs. Long Run I did buy uh, not too long ago. I'd say like maybe a year ago uh, for three bucks at a used place. I was like, okay, I, I like uh, Disco Strangler and In the City. So I'll buy this, you know. So right. now that you're saying it's the most rocky album, I don't think I sat down and listened to the whole thing, and I will do that after we do the news. Yeah, I mean, there's some mellow shit on there, but there's also some some uh, heavier side of them. I mean, it's a fucking Coke album, and it sounds like it. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 and I know it's Don Henley, but another, I think it's an amazing song, but for some reason, it's like, it's just missing something, is Desperado. I love Desperado, but it's just... It's just missing something. Right. Wasn't Desperado, because I know you're a fan of the Howard Stern show. Oh, no, that was Joe Walsh that sang Desperado on the Howard Stern show. The TV show, the Channel 9 show. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. I thought for a second it might have been Glenn Frey. Glenn Frey did have some hits, though, man, on his own. Yeah, you know, he had uh, You Belong in the City from Miami Vice and Yeah. Smuggler's Blues. Smuggler's Blues. Uh, yeah, that was a big hit, man. Yeah, The, the Heat Is On from uh, Beverly Hills uh, Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Huge hit. Yeah. Uh, also, his, his first one, it was a real mellow song, but I love it that... Uh, oh, fuck. I can't remember off his first solo album. Oh, I'm having a total brain fart. It was a real mellow song with a big sax part in it, so you probably hate it. But uh, uh, I know he had, he had some hits, too. I mean, you know, Don Henley was definitely the more successful... But uh, you know, you know, like I said, I get why people hate the Eagles, dude. It's easy to hate on the Eagles because they're overplayed to all fuck, and there's just something a little bit arrogant about them. But they did write some good songs, and and I and I did some, and I did when it came out. It was on, I think, uh, Netflix or HBO. Yeah, I did watch that long ass documentary. Yeah, I did too. It's long, and and that actually made me hate Glenn Fry a little bit. I always figured that fucking Don Henley was the major douchebag. But Glenn Fry was pretty much a dick in that band. I thought off of that, you know. I gotta watch it again. I did watch the whole thing though, when when it first came out. I was like, all right, let me watch it. The Eagles, you know, whatever, right. you know. But, but, but they are they are part of my soundtrack of the youth. Yeah. But it's just not, you know, like James Dean, Life in the Fast yeah, Lane. Yeah. These are songs. Uh, got the best of my love. These are songs I grew up on. Yeah. You know? Oh, best of my love. What a beautiful ballad. Love that song. Uh, but my favorites will always be Don Fedler, who, once they kicked him out, I had no interest. And I thought that last album they did was absolutely horrible. That uh, Exit to Eden or whatever, something Eden. 
I don't know. Oh, 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 I don't know. It, it, it was it was ter it was terrible. I thought I always thought uh, the long run was their last album. No, they, they they did one after they kicked Don Fedler out, and it was it was a double album. That was it in the eighties? No, no, this was like uh, two thousand two, two thousand. Oh, okay, so it was kind of some reunion. So yeah, so the last run was the last album. Well, well, no, well, when they were originally together. Yeah, because after yeah, the last yeah. run, they broke up, yeah, right? Yeah, but they got back together with... Yeah, the hell freezes over yeah, to with Don, But then they kicked Don Fedler out in 2000, I believe 2000 or 2001. And then, was Don Fedler the long-haired guy that played guitar? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, and he was like the rocking guy. He was actually brought in because they wanted more of a hard rock sound. And he was he was the hard rock guy. And he was the guy who wrote Hotel California. Okay. Did he did he do any singing like by himself he, on the on he, any he did, Eagles hits? He, not on any of the hits. He only sang on one studio song that was on one of these nights, and it was an all right song. But he had a couple. He had a song on the Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack. He had a couple songs on the heavy metal soundtrack. Uh, okay. Uh, but he was always my because he was the hard rock guy. Him and Joe Walsh, and those are my two favorite members of the Eagles. Because they are the most drugged out rock oh, and roll. Guys. I love me some Joe oh, Walsh. Oh, so man. do I. So do I. That song, The Confessor. Yeah. That song rules. Oh, I love Joe Walsh. I love it. And of course, it, it's been played. You know, you, you get so sick of it, but uh, Life's Been Good is still an amazing. I, I, yeah, another song of my youth, man. That was before he joined the Eagles, right? No, no, that was after. That was... so. So his solo career was after he joined the Eagles. Or... Well, no, he well. He, you know, he came to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he came to. What's the name came, of the band? He came to fame with the James Gang. J James Gang, and, who had some great songs yeah, too. And then he started a band called uh, Barnstorm that only lasted for one album. Then he just went by Joe Walsh. Then he joined the Eagles, but in between Hotel California and uh, Long Run, he put out But Seriously, Folks, which is the album that Life's Been Good to Be On. You know, and the Eagles always played it live. And In the City was a solo track he did that they re recorded for the long run. They, it pretty much sounds the same, don't you think? It does, but it is a different recording. I know, I know it is, but I was like, God, it's so close to yeah. the Warriors. But, but they, they knew it was such a hit that that's why they wanted it on the album, you know? God, I love that song. That's my favorite song right there. Oh, yeah. From Joe Walsh and the Eagles. Uh, so, anyway, Glenn Fry, rest in peace. And, and, yeah, rest and, in peace. And Jimmy Bain. Uh, a big part of my... Uh, very early youth were the Eagles, even though I wasn't a fan. They were all over the radio. They were the, they were huge. They were as big as Elton John of the seventies, man. So, you know, it's sad, you know. And also, Jimmy Bain was part of my teenage youth, you know. And then we have one more death that was uh, before before I even say who it is, which I notice is your new main picture on Facebook. Um, this is a guy I would always point at and say, this dude's still alive. Because in the 70s, he had gray hair on his fucking eyebrows. <laughs> I'm serious, man. From Barney Miller, yeah. you can see gray hair. He had gray hairs in the 70s, people. Ava Goda, man. I always oh, point man. at that guy. That guy's still alive. I used to say, Ava Goda, Mickey Rooney. Now, now you know who's the oldest person I thought of this. Who's the oldest celebrity now? Kirk Douglas. How old is he? I don't know. A thousand? He's pretty... Well, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. we got to check the age on that because who I thought of is Betty White. Uh, who's in her 90s. I, She's like 93. Yeah, yeah, I think Kirk Douglas is even older. 
I mean, he's... And Kirk Douglas had, like, a heart attack He had shit. a stroke. Like, he talks all man. fucked up and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bad motherfucker. Still kicking. Right. Man. But, man, you want to talk about it, you know... I mean, technically, yes, Lemmy did die in 2015. But two people that you always thought would live forever was Lemmy and Abe Vigoda. And yeah. they're dead. So and Keith Richards watched the fuck out because anybody can die. Keith Richards is, I heard... Keith Richards only smokes pot. And what's the other thing? Was it you that told me this? Not me. In his new book, he says, all he does now is smoke pot. And there was something else he does that's not really that bad. So it's like all this myth about uh, Keith Richards. I don't know. He was here a couple years ago in New Orleans getting all coked up in the bathroom at the Circle Bar. So. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, this is a okay. live source. All right. Well, you know, okay, there you go. Because I always felt like, you know, Keith Richards, I think, is well over yeah. his Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he fucked the hair, but he was doing some blow and no I know that. <laughs> but I can tell you this, that guy was nowhere near as hardcore as Lemmy. No. You know? That guy would, Lemmy would drink that guy under the table. Uh, Lemmy was more hardcore than Keith Richards would hey, ever be. And he'd drink Ozzy under you know, the fucking table. Exactly, you know? I, because you know, the story about Lemmy was nobody's ever seen that guy drunk. Ever. You know, and the guy would drink people under the table. I uh, like that. You know, he would he would crack open little Jack Daniels bottles like it's beer yeah. and give it to all his friends. Here, you know. Well, I like that story. He said he was looking in. I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not, but let me talk about it. Uh, said at one point he looked into getting the blood transfusion because he'd heard like Keith Richards did all this and shit, and right. the doctor told him that clean blood would kill him. He was that polluted. I heard that. I heard that. Somebody told me that too. Yeah, yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, anybody can go and, uh, Abe Pagoda. Hold on a second. Wow. That one's for you, Fish. Tessio. Yeah. Rest in peace. Tessio, bro. He was in the fucking Godfather. Backstabbing motherfucker. Hey, he was always smarter. <laughs> I like that. I thought yeah. it was Clemenza. Tessio was always smarter. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Give me a break, Michael. For all yeah, for all time's sake. sake. Get me off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get me off the hook? Oh, yeah. man. Man, what a sad. Uh, the world without Ava going. It sucks. Oh, man. Too many deaths this year. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, though, man, it's. They're all getting that age. Like I'm saying, I don't. It's hard for me to comprehend that I'm as old as I am. And these people I grew up with, of course they're at fucking death's door, you know? Oh, well. Look at Mick Mars. Mick Mars is another guy we gotta, like, put up there as, like, like a Kirk Douglas. It's like, dude, that guy. Looked like death 10 years right. ago. Right. Yeah, and he's still doing it. Now he's like, D dude, Motley Crue just ended their, their career, and he's in the studio with Karate. Yeah, right. He ain't wasting oh, no I time. Can't wait. Well, he doesn't have time to waste. <laughs> I, 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 I am very looking forward to Oh, hell to yeah. That. Hell yeah. Mick Mars is my favorite member. I hope he does do some fucking Motley 94. Oh, I bet you'll be a crit because, uh, you know, I think he was the only one that was musically held back by being in Motley Crue. I think he has a lot more to offer than what he was able to do in Motley Crue. Yeah, we shall see what, you know, because we have yet to hear anything this guy's done on his own except for Bittersweet from uh, whatever. Yeah, name that album Ordinary or something. Yeah, yeah, which I own. That shit's yeah. rare. Because when 94 came out, it came... It yeah, I still got one. Yeah, order I for so I sent I sent it out I said I want one it was free all you had to do was pay for right. all righty anyway well after about a half hour in I guess we might as well get to some news uh 
Richard Fortas and Dizzy Reed have left uh, the band they were in, the Dead Daisies, for what they would just say was a, a monumental project for 2016. Really? Yeah. That, I, that depresses me. Right. Because I know what project yeah, that is. Everybody knows what the fuck it is. And uh, it, it's just becoming more and more apparent. Even though I hear all kinds of different people claiming shit. I've heard one story claiming that as of right now, Axel is writing songs with Izzy. And, and, yeah, and I've heard, heard that, that they're in negotiations with Steven Adler. But pretty much all signs point to it's just going to be Slash and Duff and, and Axel and... I'll take a big fat, I'll take a big fat pass, especially for what they're charging. You see, I, if they get Adler, I would go see it. Oh, I, I would. I, for Izzy and Adler, I'd pay it. I'd pay. I do it. I do it without. Yeah, I know you would, but I wouldn't. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not discounting Izzy. I'm talking about live. Right. You know, Izzy to me wasn't really that right, intricate right, but, live. But, but here's the thing: like, really, I could give a fuck less about Guns and Roses anyway. I mean, I mean, honestly, in all honesty, there's a million bands. I, li- I like more fucking L.A. Gun songs. You know, it's like, I-, I love Guns N' Roses. I remember what it was back then when they were this dangerous, crazy band. And they're not that anymore. And I'll tell you this, man. Guns N' Roses' appetite for destruction against the first L.A. Guns oh. album, I'll go with Guns N' Roses, but not by yeah. much. Because that first L.A. Guns album fucking rules. Right, and I'm saying, and, and I, I love that shit. But I mean, but let's be serious here. The only shit I want to hear live, and as much as I, I love Izzy, is shit off Appetite and Lies. I could give a fuck to hear this shit off of fucking Use Your Illusions. Definitely give a fuck to hear no Chinese democracy bullshit. You know, so but that dude, I really would be shocked if they play it. Oh no, no, I, I heard, I heard that's one of Axel's stipulations. They will be playing stuff off of Chinese Demise. And with his ego, I can see that. You know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, even the, I mean, there are songs that I like. I like the title track. I like better. But for the most part, you know, it's like, so why am I going to pay this absurd amount of money to see a band that I know is not going to be the band I saw in 1991? You know, and they're offering like a VIP package that's like, fuck it. Oh, my it. God. $2,500 and you don't even no. meet them. What the no, fuck? No. That's insane. Yeah, so, I, I mean, like, this is the, the biggest cash grab of all fucking time, you know? But can you imagine, can you imagine a VIP to meet Guns N' Roses? You'll be there, like, till 7 in the morning. Oh, to yeah. Meet <laughs> oh, <laughs> it'd be oh, fucked dude, up, be, you know? I would get beat down by actual security guards, because you know my mouth. I, you know, I, I'd say something, and I'd get the living shit beat out of me, you know? But, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not that, if it's all five, then you get my money. If not, and, and there's always people on our page, like, should I go, should I go? Hey, if you want to go, go. But for, I'd say, I'd say people that never seen them, go. i say the same thing about Black Sabbath. You know how much I'm right. against Bill Ward not being in Sabbath, but people are like, well, I've never seen Sabbath. And I'm like, then go. Then go, because you're never going to see these three again on stage yeah, again. I'm, I honestly I do mean, believe if you that. really give a shit about the band, go. But but to me, it's like I love Guns N' Roses, but I mean they're not they're not even in my fucking top thirty bands of all time. So neither neither neither. Yeah. I I gotta agree with you there. I don't consider them in my top thirty either. But you know what? I I, I would like to see them with that. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You know, I, no, I really I would. And I think that poor man deserves it. The shit he's 
if they don't do it without it, I'm not yeah. going. I'm yeah. not going to go. And it's not because I don't want to waste the money. I just don't want to see Guns N' Roses without Steven Well, Ash. there you go. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be, you know, basically what they turn into at the end, where it's just the three of them with fucking nameless people playing. And and one thing that everybody needs to understand, because everybody gets so upset and think, hey, dude, here's the thing. We're hardcore rock fans. We're hardcore metal fans. We don't really matter in the big picture. The big picture, we're the minority. Why do you think Def Leppard doesn't play shit from high and dry? Right. Because we're in the minority. They, you know, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Sometimes they do play Bring It On The Heartbreak. Okay, let's say On Through The Night. We're in the minority. If they don't play anything off On Through The Night, the majority of that arena ain't going to give a fuck. Because if they do, they're going to go out and take a piss and get a beer. So by Guns N' Roses doing this shit, dude, they don't even need Duff, man. Duff is even obsolete. Oh, yeah. It's Axel and right. Slash. Those two. You get those two together... That's all you fucking need for the masses to put down the big bucks to fill up the arena. That's all you need. Fuck, Axel was filling up arenas by himself. Yeah. Now you you throw in Slash, just Slash, you can fill up a fucking stadium. You don't need Duff. You really don't. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how this right. does, though. I, I really will. It, well, you will. It's YouTube. It's it's the age of YouTube. You know, but uh, you know, in the, in this day and age, I, I really like if they want to do stadiums, I really want to see if they pack them because I know us old timers fucking love it, but do kids these days really give a shit about Guns N' Roses? I don't know. They'll, they'll be, dude. Let me tell you something. They're asking millions yeah. for a show, so you know whoever's gonna put down millions is gonna promote the living shit out of it, and it's gonna intrigue people that aren't even into Guns N' Roses. Watch. Mark my, it's a kiss. Who the fuck gave a shit about kiss except the hardcores? Oh, the yeah. But a lot of people went to see kiss. The they, uh, they, they, they weren't even oh, into yeah. kiss. They got swept. They got swept into the. Hoopers. Yeah, I remember there was a big difference between uh, when I saw my other revenge tour and when I saw my other reunion tour. <laughs> and a lot of people that went to go see kiss in '96. Oh, really no, fans. shit, my ex-wife had better seats than me. And she didn't even she didn't even like go. Kiss, but she went because it was the thing to do, you know? That's exact. And Guns N' Roses is the thing to do in 2016 because already the hype is yeah. huge. And the hype is so huge, and we still don't know who the fuck's in right. the band. That's how big That's how big this shit's going to be. But, uh, like I said, you know, both of us agree. If it's not who we want to see in there, they're not going to get my money. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch clips on, on uh, Blabber. You know? Yeah, me too, man. I mean, unless I get a deal or for free, you know, I don't think I'm going to, you know, I just don't, I'm not interested. The, to me, I'd be more interested to see Buckethead with Axel, but I'm really in the minority. I'm like one of those on through the night people when it comes oh, to yeah, Axel. Oh, no, yeah, dude, I love Buckethead. I love, I only got... I would love to see Buckethead. I, I only got to see Buckethead once. He came out and played when he played with, uh, and I believe you were there uh, when Primus played at Ozfest, and Buckethead came out and played with him. That's the only time I ever saw Buckethead. Uh, no, I missed. I missed that. I saw Buckethead oh, solo. Oh, really? Though. I'd love to. And with Guns N' Roses. The time I saw Buckethead with Guns N' Roses was the best time I ever saw Guns N' Roses. I saw Guns N' Roses in a club in '85. I know I brought this up many times. I saw the Appetite Tour open for Guns N' Roses and. They had such a horrendous open sound that it was pure. Houses? I mean, oh, Motley okay. Crue. 
Guns N' Roses opened for Motley Crue on the Girls 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 Tour here at the Hollywood Sportatorium. The sound was so muddy and horrible, I couldn't even make out what was going on. And that was the Appetite lineup. Then I saw them uh, at Joe Robbins Stadium, New Year's Eve, which was a good show. I'm not saying it was bad. Uh, Izzy was already gone by this point. Because uh, I, I didn't see illusions uh, like you okay. did with Izzy. I saw it with Gilby, which to me is the same shit. And uh, then I saw him in, in Orlando with Metallica, where I actually walked out. Because Slash went into the seventh guitar solo that fucking bored the living shit out of me. So I left that show. Metallica was great. And uh, then I saw him with Buckethead. Then I saw him with the DJ idiot here at American Airline Arena. Then they played the Fillmore, which uh, is only blocks from my house. And that shit only holds about maybe 2,000 people the most. So that's, and, and let me tell you something. I enjoyed the later Guns N' Roses show, the Axel show. More than the Guns N' Roses shows. I did. I just threw me. And, you know, as you know, I am a big fan of Chinese democracy. So, there you Alrighty. go. Alrighty. Well, uh, somebody we were just talking about, Joe Elliott had to cancel one of his shows on their own Death Leopard cruise. The same. It, this is like a doomed cruise. This is like the Titanic. You know, it killed fucking Jimmy Bain and it killed Joe Elliott's voice, which many will say has been dead for years, but... He got laryngitis the other night and couldn't perform. And you know, I have tickets to see them this Friday. Death Leopard? Oh, yeah. God. Check this out. Check the, check out my schedule. I got these tickets a while ago. Don't even ask me. It's a long story. But uh, it's def, it's the same show I saw uh, like six months ago. Death Leopard, Sticks, and Tesla. They're playing um, uh, the BBT Center with a huge yeah. arena. I I I had tickets for the show. Then we booked this Motorhead tribute show the same night, not realizing it was that same night. But the thing is, we're headlining the Motorhead tribute, and we're not going to go on stage till like twelve thirty. And this this amphitheater, I mean this arena, has a curfew at eleven. So I got like an hour and a half to get to Churchill to play this show, and and only it's going to take me about forty minutes. So I'm actually going to see Def Leppard, and then I'm oh. going to. Uh, well, I wonder who'll be singing if his voice hasn't recovered. On the cruise ship, is well. Hopefully, they'll cancel. I get my money his back. Spot was filled by uh, Phil Collins singing some songs. Eric Martin was singing songs with Kip Winger to hit the high notes. That was really weird. And and I heard Eric uh, from from yeah, yeah, Cinderella uh, did, uh, did uh, some vocals too, I, right? I, he sang rock, rock, rock. I didn't see that. They didn't have footage of Andrew Freeman from Last in Line singing some songs. I was, I was making a, oh. I was making oh, a funny. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, Fred Corey came out and did yeah, photographs. But oh my God, I'm watching this footage, just because I'm like, man, I can't picture Death Level with, with Eric Martin singing, and it was just as horrible as I thought. But the real funny thing is, the cruise is just what I thought. Oh my God! Nobody's moving. Nobody's, you know, like like it's it's zombies that look like they just walked off a golf course with fucking like you know, you know, khaki pants on and little you know striped shirts and stuff. And like, how fucking lame this Death Leopard cruise must be. It's it's lamer than what I would imagine the Kiss cruise even is. Well, I gotta tell you, the last online show I was at was for cruise people to get right. it for free. And you know it wasn't it wasn't packed, yeah. but, but you know, and and, 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 and to sh oh, and to show you how lame the people are, after Tom Kiefer played, a lot of people left. Nobody stayed for Dr. Line. No, a lot of people stayed, but I say about twenty per percent left.
before last in line played. It's like yeah, they're like, oh, what's this metal? Oh, yeah. No, they didn't even want yeah. to stick around. Yeah, to see right. that I've metal. never heard of last in line. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. But exactly. yeah, yeah. Hopefully the whole ship sinks. Uh, well, I mean, once uh, you know, last in line gets off there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, next story. Here's an album I'm really excited about. I don't know if you give a shit about it. But Iggy Pop is putting out a solo album that he did. It's uh, an album with him and Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age and Caius and a million other bands. Uh, well, that would be interesting. I would love to see hear that. Oh, what that you would haven't listened like. to the two songs they released? Uh, no. Is it Stoner like Caius? Uh, it, it's kind of a mix. It's it's it really harkens back to to Iggy's first two songs that he did with David Bowie, The Idiot and Lust for Life, and that was kind of the okay. vibe he was going for and the sound. And right. I really, I mean, right. it's, it, dude, it's not like slamming fucking, you know, it's not the Stooges. It, he's going for a different vibe, but I really dig it. I mean, and I'm a huge Josh Homme fan. I love Queens of the Stone Age. I love uh, those Crooked Vultures. I love Eagles of Death Metal. I love Caius. All the shit that he's involved with, I dig. I was really excited that they were doing like the short tour that finally got announced today. And, no fucking New Orleans Day. I thought for sure they were going to play One-Eyed Jacks because Hami loves One-Eyed Jacks. Queens played there, Eagles of Death Metal. Whenever he's on tour, he usually plays there. But uh, unfortunately, no. But there is a Miami date at the Jackie Gleason Theater or something. Well, that's that's where I saw Gun Road. That's literally like four blocks Yeah, they're playing house. there. So uh, Iggy Pop lives here right, on the beach. Right. I bumped into Iggy oh, Pop. Man. Walking his dog on... Uh, I was working... Oh, shit. This is a funny. This is a funny story. Uh, Iggy Pop uh, was walking his dog, and this is like, a, and I was checking a, a leaking water meter, because that's my job. My job is to investigate, not to fix. I look at it, and I see if any, you know, call somebody to come in to fix it, or if it can hold the next day. And I see Iggy Pop. And this was, I'd say, maybe like ten years wow. ago. And um, at that time, I used to be on the the. Metal Sludge message board, and there's this guy that's passed Iggy away. Iggy Pop <laughs> Yeah, his name was Iggy Pop itself. And I said that to Iggy Pop. I said, oh, I go, hey, Iggy. He's like, hey. And then I go, hey, Iggy, you know, I'm on a message board, and there's a guy on there called Iggy Pop itself. And Iggy Pop went like this. He went, <laughs> and, then he, and then he kept walking. He had this really weird life. He's like, <laughs> And I told that story to Iggy Pop Williamson, who since he's passed away. And he was like, wow, man, Iggy Pop is aware of Pop Williamson yeah, right. in the band. So, yeah, that, that was uh, my little encounter with uh, Iggy Pop. And Iggy Pop has played Churchill's where I'm playing this Friday. Yeah, well. He actually, he filmed a video. Iggy Pop, there's a video of Iggy Pop performing in Churchill's, like a music right. video. And I'm playing... I'm playing there. I've played there many times before, but I'm just saying. Well, I'm a huge Iggy Pop fan. I cannot wait for this album. So so he's playing there solo at the Yes, Fillmore? he has a new album coming out called Post Pop Depression. And uh, all the songs he wrote with Josh Homme, and there's a couple other guys from Queens of Stone Age playing. Another guy from Arctic Monkeys, I believe their drummer is the drummer. And uh, if you like the, the 70s solo Iggy Pop, I think you'll really like this, you know. It, like I said, it's not Stooges like slamming shit, but it, it's really cool. It's very Bowie era kind of Iggy Pop. Well, I'm going to this and check this out. My job 
when I go to work, I sometimes uh, they give they give out tickets. They give away tickets from Fillmore to my job. You know, it's like, hey, anybody want like you know? I saw I got Guns N' Roses right. tickets. I saw Spinal Tap for free there. I saw uh, uh, oh, Danzig played there. I got free tickets to that. Dream Theater, Opeth. I've been there many times um, for free. And I'm just going to keep my eye out for Iggy yeah. Pop tickets. And even if I don't, I'll buy a couple tickets. Because the thing is, even if that shit day works on a day after work, that place has All a curfew. Right. All right, well, definitely, if you're going to film a show, film that fucking show. Because I want to see that shit. I filmed Guns N' Roses. Right on. All yeah. right. Well, next story. You know, we've talked about so many people passing that we love and admire and respect. Now let's talk about a son of a bitch that I wish was fucking dead. I, every day I wake up and oh, I'm boy. like, please, is this fucker dead? Is this de-? Like, I, I don't believe in God or anything like that, so I don't know who to ask. But I just say it out loud, just for my own mental health. Please, please, is Samuel Horatio Hagar fucking dead? Please. Please, <laughs> anything dead. Uh, what did what he oh, do? Oh, this now? cocksucker. Now, I don't know if this is real or not, because as I know for a fact, there are many stars that have social media, uh, media accounts that aren't real. Like uh, somebody that works for them, their publicist does it and uploads stuff. Like they, do, they don't even fuck with it. But supposedly Sammy Hagar sent out a tweet, happy birthday to Eddie Van Halen, and, and said, I hope you're doing well. Hashtag 5150 time. Uh, hashtag something else fucking gay as fuck. Um, and then supposedly Eddie responded with, thank you, Sammy. Hope all is well with you. And there's a lot of rumblings about Sammy coming back because as I... Uh, uh, Brian Schaefer pointed out to me, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, they haven't had a legitimate singer since Sammy Hagar. Everybody's just been under contract to Van Halen. There's no, like, you are the member of Van Halen. It just, you're just much like Vince Neil was just under contract to Motley Crue when he came back. Uh, and Dave's contract is up. It was up over after this last tour, you know, and I was really surprised when you saw this Eat Him and Smile shit because you know what a bitch Eddie is and temper tantrums he'll throw if you do something he doesn't like or play with other people. So it looks like probably Dave is out. There's a lot of people saying Sammy might come back in. And I mean, I know like you said you would love to see it just to see it fail. And I, I kind of get that too. Like part of me would like to see that just to shut up these fucking idiots no and and shut up sammy yeah, Hagar. shut up sammy Hagar and shut up these idiot fucking fans that have zero fucking taste i'm sorry i have a wide palette of music i love and for most part uh point i can respect other people's opinions on stuff even if i don't like it like okay you like but if you really like sammy hagar then the nothing that comes out of your mouth do i give any validation because I just think you are the dumbest motherfucker. I mean, like, 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 like okay, I can listen to real Van Halen or I can listen to fucking uh, watered-down fucking Van Halen. You know, it, it's like, are you fucking retarded? Like, do are you allowed to drive a moving vehicle? You, you know, or, you know, oh my God, did somebody fuck you? You know, you know when, when, a, when a man tells me he likes Van Hagar, I'm like, well, what does your husband think? You know, you fucking bitch. You like this fucking shit when you can have real Van Halen with a real fucking front man? But any, 
Well, you know, I mean, I have a different point of view from you, uh, Ian. Like, I don't want to sound all righteous and shit. But, you know, I, hey, if you like Van Hagar, fine. But I will also say this. If you like Van Hagar more than classic Van Halen, you are the enemy of rock. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, uh, man, you know, and as much as I would love to see it fail so I can shove it in these fucking cocksuckers' face, I don't want Van Halen tarnished anymore. You know, Van, real Van Halen is something sacred to me. You know, I'm, I'm even pissed about Wolfie, and I love Wolfie, but Michael Anthony should be there. It should be the original four. But I don't want to see another bastardized version of a band that means so much to me. They are my favorite American rock band of all time. Real Van Halen. You know? And I would love, like, one last tour with the real, with all four. With Mike there. But we're probably not going to see that. But I could, like, if you're going to lose anybody, it's Michael Anthony. <laughs> you know, like, if, if you had to lose one. You know, and all these cocksuckers are bitch like, well, Michael Anthony isn't there. Well, if you didn't bitch when Dave wasn't there, then suck a big fucking, thick fucking baby cock straight up. Fuck you. Anybody who fucking went to that fucking Hagar shit. Fuck you. Shame on you. And I hope... Uh, I, uh, I, I want to... Yeah. Um, oh, do you have anything else to say about uh, this story? I just want Sammy Hagar to die. Please die. Please fucking die. Okay. <laughs> you know, and yes, Eddie right. Trunk will do like a million tribute shows to you that I won't listen to. But fuck you, die. Die so so your wife can actually enjoy your money. That, that The only reason you have money is off your fucking liquor. That's the only reason you're fucking rich, bitch. It's off your fucking And the only, the only reason he, he got that liquor was from Van Hagar right. money. He wouldn't have got it from Standing Right, Hampton. you'd be That's open up for any money at a fucking barbecue festival. Exactly. In, in That's, he would be as big as Rick Springfield or... That's an you insult know, to Rick event. Springfield. But you know yeah. what I'm saying. He'd be playing yeah. that kind yeah. of circuit. But but um, uh, I, I want to bring up something that you you know kind of remind me of what you were saying about. Uh, I want to bring up the new Megadeth, if I may, for okay. a second. <clears throat> I bought the new Megadeth, and I, I, I drove in my car listening to it, and I was absolutely floored how amazing it was. I, I And I'm a big fan of Endgame. I think it even surpasses Endgame. I think it's the best thing they've done since Rust in Peace. Just my opinion. So I get home and I put up a picture of me holding a new Megadeth one. Megadeth is back. And one guy wrote, Oh, fuck them. They they uh, didn't allow Dissection and Rotting Christ to play at some show. Dude, I shit you not. One of them had a Slayer. Slayer picture. And I was like, Are you aware that Slayer was supposed to play a festival with Striper and they refused to play it? Actually, Striper didn't refuse. You know, I find it ironic. And then this other genius wrote, keep Satan in metal. Because, you know, Dave is a... Uh, uh... So forget how good this album is. Because Dave worships Christ. I cannot like Megadeth. You're not a music fan, dude. I can understand. Hey, I don't like Sammy Hagar because I can't stand his voice. I can't stand his music. Now, that's a legitimate reason to hate Sammy Hager. But you're going to hate Megadeth. With, by the way, they didn't hear the new album because they don't want to because Dave is now a reborn Christian. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, well, my God. Some metalheads are morons. It, it lowers my opinion of his mentality, but it has nothing to do with music as long as he makes great music. And that and, he did, boy. That new album killed. I, I've still got to hear the whole thing, but from what I've heard, I really enjoy it. So 
I have not heard one song on this whole album that does not absolutely rule, including the bonus track. Okay. And I can't say that about any Megadeth album since Rush. Even Endgame had a couple songs that wasn't I agree. I, well, I, I take that back. I have. I need to listen to it. I had it on in the background. I need like a real like solid listen to it. But there was one song I didn't care for. But uh, but that's okay. it. It hasn't left my car yet. Alrighty. Well, here's something. Here's some. Here's some good news that makes me happy. Uh, well, as happy as I can be while Sammy Hagar's still alive. Uh, bon Scott is getting a statue in Scotland. Oh, second yeah, one. It will, There's one in Australia, yes, right? This one will be unveiled in Scotland during Bonfest, a, a yearly festival they have to honor the great legend Bon Scott. And, uh, man, they should have one in every town. Every bar should have a statue of Bon Scott, I think. We're approaching the 36th anniversary of How his death. How sad is that? Oh. Somebody put, there was actually a legitimate web, website that said, 35 years ago, Bon Scott played his last show. With ACDC, I was like, no. You know, he's been dead over 35 right. years. But uh, just, to, just to talk about Bon Scott's statue, the one that's located in Australia, there's a guy with a Thrasher Die shirt that went to that statue and took pictures of himself with the No Pose Allowed shirt. And I was so oh, proud. That's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in Scotland, man, go check that out. Take a picture and uh, send it out to our Facebook page. Yeah, with a Thrasher Dice Show. All right, uh, another band that we love but aren't exactly happy with right now is Black Sabbath started their end tour. And, um, man, I watched a little bit of video and Ozzy sounded like crap, but that doesn't bother me. No, Ozzy, so Ozzy sounded, was singing everything with such a lower... Yeah. I'll tell you what, if Bill Ward was there, I'd forgive it all. Because Ozzy doesn't yeah, have to be spot too. on for me. I think people, like they, they jump in and they attack Ozzy. He's an easy target. Man, he's fucking 60-something years old, and he's still playing this incredible metal. You know, you should be more mad about fucking Bill Ward not being there than fucking worrying about if fucking he sounds like Pavarotti. You know, it's Ozzy, you know? And you, 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 you are you going to discuss the what Geezer Butler said? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting to that. Uh, here's a big thing where Geezer came out and said that, uh, that Bill Ward was offered to play the last show and, de and denied yeah. it. And Bill came back and said he was never offered to play the last show. And he said he would never do like, he goes, either I do the tour or I don't do anything. And I thought a, a great perspective that he had on, he goes, he goes, how shitty would that be to fans that saw every other show, but don't get to see the one where I'm at. And you know what? And after he said that, like, even before Bill said that, even Geezer... Yeah, hit. yeah, I was going to get to that. Geezer said that that would... He goes, yeah, if they, if they offered me that, I'd say no. You know, it's like, yeah. really? Like, why are you guys being so mean to this fucking band? For Christ's sake. I know, I, I, right? I, it makes no I, sense I think to they me. just keep up making all these excuses and try to save face, but fact is a fact that this is all about money. And, and I yep. know they're... And yeah. management. Management still wants to blame, not the band members. Management. Well, well, band members are blamed for going along with it. It comes to a point. No, but but there's contracts I... that they can't. You gotta you gotta remember, Ian. Bill Ward was in the reunion, eleven, eleven, right. eleven, and contracts were signed then. Bill Ward refused to sign his contract, so 
uh, well, not really, but really, Iomi uh, uh, and Geezer were pretty much like, they, dude, if you don't do this shit, you're going to get your ass reamed in court. Right, but you know what? All three of them could have stood up and said no, and then this shit wouldn't have happened. But they don't do that, and I, and I find that despicable. I think Ozzy's the one that really could have said no. And right, right. I mean, the other two should have went along with it, but Ozzy saying no could have stopped everything, but they didn't do that, and I think it's a shame. This is a horrible way to end the most important band in metal. Uh, and, you know, and, and also something that drives me completely insane is that they do this album called 13, and and even Rick Rubin dictates to these three dudes. No, you're not using... Tommy Kufafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafaf
family jewels or another fucking the Osbournes or you know all these other fake ass reality shows that you know are scripted because people don't give a shit about reality you know it's got to be script there's got to be something the episode's about you know it ain't reality tv and i could give a shit less about his aspiring daughter wanting to be a country singer really i do not give a flying fuck i hate fucking country and i i hate these i hate seeing rock stars made to look a mockery in these scripted bullshit shows I cannot stand every type of reality show. They bore the fuck out of me. I would rather see season four of Brett Michaels' Rock of Love than this fucking shit, you know? Uh, it just fucking terrible. And then another story. I, I love seeing this shit. I love seeing this shit. Now that enough people have been bitching, now he's reconsidering playing The Conjuring. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Long- which is a good thing. It is, but it's 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 bullshit that he even stopped it in the first place. You know, we... True, but fuck, man. I'll oh, take no, it. Oh, no, I'd love to hear it. But, you know, for your hocus-pocus reasons, it's the same bullshit as fucking Blackie not playing fucking Animal anymore and all this bullshit stuff. You know, Alice Cooper's a fucking born-again Christian. You don't see him not playing any of his fucking songs. You don't see him taming down the set. You don't see him... You know, shoving it down people's fucking throats. You know, and you know, I don't believe in any of that shit. But then you got douchebags like fucking Mustaine and Blackie that just like, like, oh, they're fucking holier than thou. And oh, if I play this song, it'll bring upon the end time. Fuck you. It's a goddamn song. And what happened was Chris Adler, their current drummer, huge Megadeth fan. I mean, they were his favorite band. And he loves that song so much, he begged Dave. He's like, can we just write different lyrics? Which I think is equally equally gay. Like, come on, just play the fucking song. No yeah. way. What they, they were gonna change the lyrics to no, the country? No, uh, yeah. Well, that's what Adler suggests because he wants to play the song so bad. He's like, Dave, if you have that much problem, can you just write different lyrics? Because I want to play this song. Oh, don't do that. Well, and, and, and I'll give Dave credit here. He's like, well, no. He's like. Well, maybe I'll just play it again, but I hope it doesn't hurt people. Who the fuck is it going to hurt, you fucking idiot? Dude, he hurt me by remastering all those albums. Oh, God, those were horrible. Oh, those were horrible. I was so pissed because I bought a bunch of them on vinyl not knowing this. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and I got, I got them all on vinyl. Oh, and it oh God, the, the remaster of fucking So Far, So Good, So What is so... It, it, makes, it makes the original sound amazing. You know, with his re-recorded vocals and different shit he added. He even added an intro to uh, In Yeah, that's horrible. I know. You don't fuck with one of the most perfect songs you've ever written, you fucking idiot. Yep. But anyway, uh, hey, I I ain't gonna lie, dude. I'm I'm digging the new Megadeth, but fuck you, mistake. God, I still think you're the greatest guitarist in fucking thrash. But man, you are a fucking douchebag. Douchebag. But, uh... but, you know, we got we all have to agree, though, Ian. All the greatest bands have douchebags. You know? All of them. Look, Fracture Die has me. Oh, oh, it's not Willie? Oh, well, Willie ain't the band anymore. <laughs> oh, that guy's such a douchebag, you couldn't even hang. I, I dig Willie, by the way, but I don't know him like you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could say anything about Willie because he doesn't listen. <laughs> Willie's jealous of me. He really is. Isn't it? He's jealous of all. He's never been on... 
That, you know, he's been on the Dr. Fuck show, but he doesn't did listen. You, he's been on this podcast, and he doesn't Did you listen. ever air that episode yet of the Dr. Fuck show? I want... No, no, it, it can't. It, I'll send it to you, okay. because it's so vile. It's so vile, even I said, no, oh. we can't. Because, dude, we talked about some of the shit we did, and we were... We were we really, really looked bad right. on this episode, talking about what scumbags we are. And so bad that I was like, dude, we got to redo it because honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to get laid if people find this right. shit well, out of it. Send me that shit. Uh, yeah, you got to hear it. It is all good. All right. Well, last story. Holy cow. We, we, this is like a whole news episode before we get to the review. But we don't give a fuck. And I hope you don't give a fuck. I hope you all enjoy this. Uh, Mike. They Michael are. Michael Shaker. Oh my god, he's been kind of a dick lately too. Oh yeah, he's been slamming the scorpions. He's never done that before. Yeah, they're only slamming the scorpions, but he, you know, like, uh, you know, talking about turning down Motorhead and like, I don't want to play those songs, you know. But then he's always said that though. He's like, he he doesn't want to play anybody else's songs. He only wants to do his shit. But man, he was really slamming his fucking brother and the scorpions, man, saying that. Uh, you know, he wrote all the songs on Lonesome Crow. Like, hey, bro, I wouldn't brag about that. You know, it's not that it's not that great an album. Let's be honest here. You know, but saying yeah. he wasn't giving fair credit, and then uh, he said he didn't like the way that he felt they rewrote history about when he came back and did a little bit on Love Drive and shit. But man, just came off real bitter the whole time. I'm thinking, like, dude, that's your fucking brother. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's such a cool guy, Rudolph. Yeah. But, but Michael Shaker's always been a fucking flake and always been a fucking... Yeah. Hey, dude, I'm not taking anything away from him as a guitar player because he... What an amazing oh, guitar oh, player. He, he is incredible, but, uh, you know, hey, Michael Shaker, it, it's not your brother's fault you were in UFO. Calm down, you know? Hey, hey, I, I know, stop I know. Hey, I love Lights Out. But, uh, yeah, you know, but no, I just found that... I love that band! <laughs> I find it really weird, you know, it's like he seems to be doing better, like he's supposedly clean now and doing a lot better, and uh, man, to, to not only slam the scorpions, but to slam your brother, that's his fucking flesh and blood, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah, what the fuck, what, what the fuck, he thinks he is an always? Yeah, but I, I don't know, I really, I read that article and I was like, yeah, you're going back in the douchebag file, you know, but uh, I like his guitar playing, but uh, you know. Hey, you were also in contraband, so you know. There's that. Oh my God, that was a dude. dude if Michael Shanker in a band with the bass player of Vixen yeah. and Bobby Blaster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tracy Guns was the only real member that had any talent, really. I mean, Tracy Guns a phenomenal underrated guitar oh, yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. Man. but uh, they got a, the singer from Shark. That was a horrible album. I had Shark Island. Shark Island. That's like a Z yeah. band. Yeah, exactly. Like XYZ. <laughs> yeah. Well, XYZ I actually liked. I thought they were good. <laughs> and that's... That's a hairband I like. Look, really? that's very really? rare. I like Produced hairband. Produced by Don Dockin, and he is currently the singer for Great White. Who? The singer from XYZ. That's the singer for Great White now. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, Great White without Jack Russell is like... Really? It's like not, not yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. But then again, I, I'm not a big fan of Great White after the first album. Right. Well, there we disagree, but uh... Uh, I do want to say two things. Uh, our great friend and past uh, guest of our show, Ken Mills, oh, yes. is um, he, he's going through some hard time health-wise. Um, 
I did speak to him yesterday on the phone. He sounds very tired. So I want everybody to send. If you're into prayer, please pray, pray for our friend Ken Mill, Ken Mills. And uh, but when I spoke to him yesterday, he told me that you know, a week or two ago, he couldn't even finish a sentence. Where now he says he's getting better, and he and I understood him. You know, he's talking, he finished sentences, but you know, he's still going through some hard times. And he, today he went to the doctor, and I want everybody. To, you know, keep him in your thoughts and very um, positive. So let's hope the best for Ken Mills. And also our good friend that I've been mentioning now, Jason Perk, which, by the way, I asked him to be on the podcast. He hasn't answered me yet. He, he actually, I asked him and he replied to me like, wow, really? And he goes, and he didn't know about our podcast. He goes like, can you send me a link? Because he doesn't know about podcasts. He doesn't know if he could do well, it. How do you, how do you, you know, know this guy, though? Through the face, uh, he's on the almost oh, okay. through the YouTube reviews. Oh, okay. they did. So, uh, I told I sent him a link to the podcast, and uh, you know, he he seemed like I, I, I don't know if I can do this. Then I explained to him, Look, we do reviews, or you can just be part of our news segment, whatever you want to do, or if you don't want to do it at all, that's fine. Well, anyway, as I mentioned before, he has stage four terminal colon cancer. And he wrote me yesterday, which definitely made my night. Um, I can't remember. Oh, maybe I should look it up in case we have any people that are that are, have cancer listening in, because maybe this can help you. I'm gonna look this up for a second. Um, I'm gonna pull up his. Uh, okay. He told me. Uh, I'm gonna read what he wrote. He said, "Hi, I just wanted to tell you that." Yesterday morning, I received my latest CAT scan result about my stage four terminal colon cancer. Um, for the past 16 months, every scan showed my cancer getting worse. Three months ago, I was told that I may have to start trying voluntary clinical trials or start my bucket list because everything was going toward the worst. Anyway, 2.5 weeks ago, I decided to try flaxseed. That's F-L-A-X-S-E-E-D. Flaxseed oil and cottage cheese together. Three, four servings per day. And guess what? My scan showed that my cancer has shrunk 50%. Wow. Yeah. So he goes, my doctor called me a miracle yesterday. And to continue doing what I'm doing. I once started wanting to tell you, thanks for dedicating that video to me. And thank you for the positive vibes. And then I told him about the podcast and he said, wow, Ralph, I, it, it would be an honor to one day be on your podcast, but I don't know or understand how any of that works. And what in the world would you talk about with me? Seriously, I didn't, I didn't know what a podcast was even until recently when somehow stumbled across the podcast podcaststone.com with my nine and seven year old sons who recently enjoyed wrestling scene nowadays and they said hey look dad there is a stone cold Steve Austin uh, so in the last couple of evenings and during the last chemo appointment um, I actually listened to him and actually was very entertained by him uh, very cool honestly and I live and how how and where can I listen to your show is there is it possible to download older podcasts? 
from you to listen to right now. And then I replied to him about, you know, how I gave him the link and you can download it and told him, look, man, you know, you, you can be on the show or, you know, if you don't want to be on the show. It's cool. But the invite's out. But it's a it's it's a miracle. Jason Perk's cancer that's terminal stage four is now shrunk down 50 percent. So that's great news. And, you know, and let's all keep positive yeah, for Jason yeah. as well to, you know, for it to keep shrinking and to go away 100 percent. And then me and him could go out and fucking hey, get yeah. drunk. Yeah, with Ian, exactly. With Ian. And if that flaxseed oil and cottage uh, cheese will kill half of it, this show will kill the rest. Exactly. There you go. Except, don't listen to the early episodes. That that might <laughs> that might expand <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, dude, seriously, we'd love to have you on the show, man. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the I think the greatest things about our show is how we've incorporated the audience. So many people that just listen, we, we made you part of the show because you're part of the family. You listen every week. There's no other show that has listeners on like us that, that shows that much love for their audience. And we're very proud to do that. We're very happy to, to hear about that. And, and again, I want to send out, uh, you know, my thoughts to the great Ken Mills, the pod father, great inspiration to the show. Yes. Everybody keep him in his yes. thoughts. He's Oh, and by the way, he listened to the uh, Just to Kill Us. Oh, nice. He said, you know, he said he's in very bad right. shape, so you know he fell asleep a right. lot. But he did, but you know he would rewind and listen. He ended up listening to the whole episode. And he thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, that that's episode. nice. Oh, that makes me so happy. So Kim, so everybody out there, keep Ken Mills and Jason Perk. Yes. And I'm gonna, and I'm also gonna send Jason out a, a link to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Facebook page because he's part of the Almost Human and all types of music page and my regular Facebook. So let's have him. Let's get him there because everybody in the Almost Human 56 page has rallied for him. And uh, and it's just, it's like family, man. So it's great. Oh, and one more thing. I know you want to go, but I met the owner of that metal station. That's oh, right. The yeah. great Scott Green. Did you see how Scott Green gushed about my friends? Yes. It was so beautiful. Scott Green is a truck driver. So he came all the way down to... Uh, he, he dropped something off in, in Fort Lauderdale, but he came down further to Medley, which is more near me, so I can hang out with him. You know, he parked his truck in one of those truck places where it's 15 bucks a night. So I go pick him up. He wanted Cuban food. I took him to the best Cuban food, uh, Cuban restaurant in South Florida, Chico's, and where, you know, I told him, you know, he, I, what I ordered, he ordered, and it was bread and steak that's big as fuck. He loved it. Uh, then the next day, I took him to a barbecue. And he met all my friends. And he was so impressed by my friends that he wrote this big story about it and how great it was because Scott Green lives in Oregon, I believe. No. Forgive no, me, Scott. I think Colorado. I think. Yeah, you're right. Colorado. Louis, no, no, no. He lives in Colorado because I remember, you know, the, the weed and shit. And um, he was telling me, you know, up there he has nobody to talk metal about. All his friends up there aren't into metal. So to... So, you know what, man? It made me realize, Scott Green made me realize that what I have, I really do take for granted because I do have a bunch of friends that love metal. And by him telling me how he doesn't, that must be so sad. So I can understand why he was so impressed by all the people that were there because we were all talking metal. We're all a bunch of metalheads. We listened to the Megadeth four times in a row. 
And uh, he had the greatest time, man. And I was so happy. You know, and, and Alex loved him, Marquez. And he met Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. That's right. And, uh, and, and Ruben loved him. And he loved Ruben De La Rosa. They all, you know, for a while there, I didn't know where Scott Green was. I was like, what? It, wh where's Scott Green? I was looking for him everywhere. And he was like, I noticed him and the Necromaniacs weren't around. And I go, oh, I know where they are. They're out there smoking weed. <laughs> uh, Should I keep he, that in? He, he also sent me a message that he said South Florida has great uh, men restroom, like the truck stop areas and everything. He, he said, yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of glory holes. You really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know about that, too. I go there and suck off strangers all the time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, uh, I got to meet the great Scott Green. And, uh, boy, did I get did I get a lot of brownie points by taking him to the barbecue because he couldn't stop thanking me. And uh, and by the way, the Dr. Fuck shirts. There's two Dr. Fuck shirts that were made that were completely sold out. And there's a, they're going to repress one other one, that the one with the picture of me. And there's going to be a new one coming out. So, you know, if you're listening, man, go on uh, thatmetalstation.com or the Dr. Fuck uh, page and order yourself a shirt. It's limited edition and it's all going to a great cause. To Scott Green, who never asks us a penny for everything. The guy spends a lot of money for the metal station. So this is our way of paying back because he doesn't want no money. So I figured, go ahead, whore my image, Scott, and it's working. Nice. All right. So uh, what do you say we get into uh, the review this week, two yeah. hours later? <laughs> Without any further to do, let's do it. This is the Pantera review with... Kirsten. Kirsten Sisnak. All right. All right. Now it's time for our review. And this time we're going to review the band that is stronger than all, Pantera. And uh, we're going with their 1996. I'm really yes. excited with yours. Yes. Um, the Great Southern Trend Kill. Uh, keeping true to their everlasting promise to remain metal in the dark years of the 90s. Here's another slab of metal. Uh to beat the fuck out of all the fucking your Metallicas and you know all your other bands that were kind of straying away where Pantera just got, kept getting heavier and heavier and this is no exception um, and I loved it and I saw this tour I'm trying to think if I saw it more than once I saw it with Rob Zombie at the Miami Arena where Phil that was the night Phil came out and said Metallica let you down Oh, yeah. he, said, he, said that, he said that at my show, too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad he said it at every show, man. He was just letting people know. We're planting a flag of metal, and he would say that proudly at shows where it wasn't a cool thing to say back then, you know? Yeah. And uh, they were, man. They were. And, and a lot of people, you know, I have a couple of uh, death metal fans that aren't fans of Pantera that are always, like, arguing with me out Oh, uh, dude, they didn't say metal nothing. We had Morbid Angel. We had. I go, yeah, but those bands were playing clubs. I'm talking about a mainstream band, like a huge band. Who the fuck was huge saying we are metal? You know? None. And there's never been a heavier mainstream metal band either. Exactly. You know, it's just... Even even Slayer strayed, man. The mighty Slayer. You know? I think that's what pisses off these new metal kids these days, is that... This this cannot take a hold of the metal scene like like those guys could. You know they talk shit about Pantera. They 
say, you know, that it, it, it's it's constant. I get a lot of little little guys on my page just bashing Pantera because they were that mainstream metal band, you know. But it pisses them off that that it can't be done that same way now. And I don't, you know, it's not the same. You know, Pantera was a, it was an anomaly of insanity. By the way, that is Kristen. Star- He's our special guest this week. And thank you yes. for being, he, he runs the Pantera project page, and he was kind enough to let me be on the Pantera Tribute CD. Tell us something, I don't even know about this Pantera Tribute CD I'm going to be in, Kristen. Tell us a little about that. Kirsten. Kirsten, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem, not a problem. Yeah, the Pantera Tribute CD, what it is, is, you know, we started the Pantera project just with an idea of hey, wouldn't it be cool to see a reunion slash tribute tour? I get in a lot of trouble saying reunion, you know, which to me, it is a, it's a fucking reunion of, of old friends and brothers, no matter what. So I'm going to say reunion anyway, you know. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tribute to Dimebag Daryl and to Pantera and to the fans even, you know, to, to have this, this idea that we had of having Zach Wilde as the standing guitarist. He just seemed like the best guy for the fucking job to me. So, you know, that was the, that was the idea that started off the Pantera Project group on Facebook, you know. And uh, it just blew up overnight. I started a petition, uh, uh, Pantera Tribute to dime petition on change.org and uh you know it's almost got 10,000 signatures in about four months so it's just an amazing thing and i thought you know what we've got enough musicians here and i know enough musicians i i sing in metal bands all my life so you know i i know the whole texas metal scene and i said let's let's put together our own little tribute album and uh you know, present it as a donation to uh, Dime's charities and to Ride for Dime, uh, which his charity, his main charity is multiple sclerosis. So it's an absolutely fantastic cause, you know, to, uh, to, to, to contribute this to, you know. And that's what our tribute CD is about. You know, it's, it's guys from the Pantera Project and... Uh, a couple of signed national acts that are going to be on uh, the tribute CD as well, so it's it's going to be really cool. Um, I, I want to thank you, Kirsten, for having both my bands involved, yeah, which is great. Yeah. And you know, and and the thing is that I don't really mind people that don't like Pantera because you know, hey man, p- different strokes for different folks. But anybody out there that thinks it's cool that Dimebag's dead, fuck you. You're a piece of yeah. shit, but I will say one positive thing about people that like that bon- that Dimebag's dead. I would love to meet your mom because she- obviously she's a shitty parent, and shitty parents oh. equals good blowjobs. So I would love to meet the moms of these fucking degenerates. I would love to fuck these these whores they call their mom because I'm sure their pussy's really good from so much experience and gangbangs and stuff. Yeah, if you don't like Pantera, uh, you're so you don't have a deadbeat dad. You have a deadbeat mom. Oh my! God. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't like Pantera, your mom will go on Maury to prove she's not your mom. <laughs> yeah, like uh, who who could be who could be the dad? You're gonna have to. It'll be like a police lineup to figure out which one's your dad. True story. Uh, uh, all right. Well, yeah. let, let me let me talk about this album. How I came into it. Uh, by the time I got this album, full-blown, I mean, full-blown Pantera fan, 
I was since I first heard Cowboys. You know, Vulgar blew my mind. And I gotta say, as much as I fucking love uh, Far Beyond Driven, Far Beyond Driven took me a little bit to grasp. It was almost like, wow. Yeah. It was so heavy, it blew my mind. I was kind of taken back. It took a while to sink in. But this is one that connected with me. And I I think because by that time, I'd already embraced Far Beyond Driven. Full-blown Pantera Nutswinger. And when this album came out, just like right away, I knew this was an album I was going to listen to the rest of my life. You know, I I, I knew that, uh, you know, it was just incredible. And I love the different places they went on this. It's, It's the most experimental thing they've ever done. It's the most musical thing they've ever done, but it, you know, without suffering the heaviness, and it was just so incredible. And I, I remember the—I I know I saw this tour at least once, maybe twice, but I saw it was uh, Pantera, White Zombie, and uh, Deftones were the opening band. And I saw, I saw that same show, unbelievable. And uh, man, when I saw that, it was right before I went on vacation to Florida. And I just, I could not stop listening to Pantera. And I was so blown away by that show in particular that I ran, I got my first tattoo, which, which is my, my Pantera tattoo. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'll tell the story later in the show, but, you know, Phil saw it, he smacked it, he said, you wear that with fucking pride, and I do, you know. And, uh, you know, Pantera for fucking life, dude. I mean, this band... It, it, was, it was an every man's band. I think that's what's so great about them. And if you weren't there in the 90s, you might not appreciate how much they changed the game. Not only being a, a heavy metal band at a time when it was a dirty word, but by them putting out the Pantera Home videos, you just felt like they were your friends. You know, like they were one of you. You know, they were, they were fans as much as they were a band. And they were jokesters and they did all this heavy music but man they were just metal heads like us having fun partying and I really think just as much as the music those videos in the 90s contributed to their success because it just made them seem like an every man's band oh big time oh yeah yeah absolutely uh, I just love those videos man back in the early 90s when Pantera would come into San Antonio, my drummer at the time, I I sang for a band called Alienation, and my drummer, Eric Tobias, he was uh, called by uh, the Pantera road crew to be the roadie for the day. And these guys, you know, this is, they would film the roadie for the day and put them on the, uh, on the, uh, on those videos, you know, and Oh my God! They tortured this guy. They made him drink. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know. The, the first thing they did was order up alcohol. You know, that right. was his first. That was his first duty. And then he had to drive him around, shit faced, drunk all over San Antonio, <laughs> just doing crazy shit. You know, and, and, and the guy wasn't built for that type of abuse, but it, it's still fun. You know. Oh man! And I was watching. I was watching Dime Vision this morning, getting ready for this and. Oh my God! You know I I love that one too. You know it, it sucks that they you know there's no filling and of course they edit all that shit out. But uh, you hear the music but you don't see Phil. But it's just what a guy who loved life and it's so bittersweet because I'm laughing my ass off but I'm so sad at the same time that this man that was one of 
the greatest in, in my top five guitarists of all time. Johnny was an incredible talent. What a man who loved life, loved the music, loved his fans. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that was as personable and, and loved life as much as Dimebag Man. Well, you're saying you you said it right there because if you if you take notice, you know, Dime was the reason for those videos. You know, he always had a camera. He wanted to take people with him. He wanted his fans to experience that fucking moment with him. <laughs> and that's fucking, you know. Oh, oh, dude, I'm dying loud watching Dime Vision. And uh, when he goes to the gas station where the car blew up, and he's, he's wearing like a turban on his head, and he says he's filming for 2040 news instead of 2020. He goes, it's an up your shoot production. And he's interviewing like the Iranian owner of the gas station and shit. And just... It is so fucking hilarious, man. And just uh, him lighting fireworks off on everybody. And, I mean, you, you know the road crew, you know, like Guy Sykes and fucking, uh, oh, yeah. you know, all those guys. Just Hell the, yeah. the, the, the fun great. they had. Oh, great. And, yeah. You know, Sterling, everybody. Oh, my God. I mean, it just, it made you feel like you were part of, they were so huge. But yet, hey, they, that's, they that's made you pay, feel. Para. That's Pantera reality fucking TV before it was even thought of. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Fuck. But, uh, yeah, this band, this really, no band, I mean, they held metal in their pinky for the entire 90s. There was no band that carried metal in the 90s like Pantera, you know, and uh, for good reason. All right, well, let's get into the title track, and that is The Great Southern Tremkill. Holy fuck, is this a way to start off a fucking album? I mean, just, yeah, you know that scream right off the fucking bat. Uh, let you know what you're in for. I believe, I, who is that? Is that Seth or is that Phil and Summer? Well, I know, here's the I know Seth does vocals on four songs, and this is one of them. I I'm think not, that's him doing the opening scream. I you think that, that, that's Seth? I, I'm not I, sure. I could be wrong, but he does scream like that. But oh, so God. does Phil. But yeah, I'm not sure who that is, but either way, what a fucking scream. And yeah. and, and what a way to start the fucking album. Shit, it uh, could be both. Yeah, you never know. Uh, and, and it was. Uh, this album was recorded. Uh, all the music was done in Texas, and all the vocals were done here at uh, Nothing Studios, Trent Reznor's studio. And you know there was there was some turmoil uh, turmoil in the band at the time, and uh, plus I don't think Phil wanted to get that far away from his heroin connection at the time, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, it, it's weird. It is seriously. It's like two blocks from my fucking house. It's not a studio anymore. Resner sold it. People live there now. But uh, it, it's funny. There's a bar right across the street called Buddha Belly, and people would talk about when Resner owned it. People, like like all these like goth chicks and shit would hang in the Buddha belly all day long to look out the window to get a glimpse of him coming in or coming out so they could uh, attack him. And, uh, and probably Phil could walk by and they wouldn't even know, but they'd look for little Trent Reznor. But uh, wow. anyway, what a, what a fucking start to this album and a great fuck you song and a great way for Pantera to you know uh, you know stick to their guns and say. Okay, yeah, you know, grunge may be killing it on fucking radio, but fuck you, you know, we're, you know, we're from the south, you know, fuck you, we're metal, and you know, you're not gonna, we're not gonna change. We're gonna be here, we're gonna be even harder, 
and we're going to pick up the flag because so many other metal bands were dropping that flag to try to sell records, but not Pantera. And, and there's no other song that could start this fucking album out. And I'm so glad it's called this. I'm so glad it's the first track. And one of my all-time favorite fucking Pantera songs. I absolutely love this. Kirsten, what do you think? Man, it's, it's fucking beautiful. You know, you start off the album with something that just dominates like that, you know, and, and just like you said, just smashes the trend of everything else that's going on, and that's what the whole album's about. And then you finish off the album with, with an equally as insane song, you know, and that's, they just wanted to make a well-rounded album, you know, and, and come in and come out with, with total insanity, and I just fucking love it, you know, and it, it's, 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 a, it's what you expected, you know, especially after uh, uh, Far Beyond Driven, you know, you got a lot to expect after that album right there, and they gave you exactly what you wanted on that first song. Well, you know. and, and I agree with that because it's like almost like how do you get any heavier than Far Beyond Driven? But, mm. you, you know, they, they do it here, but they take detours, and I think that was the smartest thing they could have done. What do you think, Ralph? I love the fuck out of this song. Uh, probably my favorite track on the album. I'm not sure. As we go on, I'll, uh, I'll see. But, oh, my God, I love it. I love the whole thing. As far as I know, this has never been played live. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there can correct me, but I saw this tour and they didn't play it. And I have looked online on YouTube to find like a live version of the song, and I've never found it. May I think maybe it's, I think maybe this song probably wouldn't go over well live. I think it would probably sound like a fucking mess. No, you're you're right. You there's so there are a lot of songs they didn't do, you know. But you know, you got Suicide Note Part Two, and and they did that live. So yeah, I wonder why we don't see that anywhere. Suicide Suicide Note Part Two is as crazy. I'll admit it, you know. But maybe yeah. that one, uh, you know, because that one sounds great live. So I don't right. know. Maybe they did try this in rehearsal and say, look, man, it sounds too. It's just a wall of noise that nobody's gonna make this out. That's all I can yeah. think of because it's such a great song that that's the only right. that's the only reason I can think of why they would never play it live. It's very rare you go see a band where the opening song on an album they don't play live. What is it? If you were God, you'd sell your. If I was God, you'd sell, your, you'd soul sell your soul to the Great Southern and that fucking guitar. And you know that's one thing about Dime. Dimebag was very much an innovator. Like, he did, like, he came up with fucking weird shit on the guitar that nobody did before. I know a lot had sound effects and his little, like, uh, you know, whatever effects he would use to get those little, those little things. Yeah. But he would also do those little slide things, you know, that was very yeah. original, That which is something so fucking simplistic where other bands would do it, but not in the way Dime did. Because Dime did it to, uh, to incorporate it into the song, like... When Phil is going, the great, and then you hear, Root, Southern, Root. like he does that little slide thing where I never heard any band before use that as like an element to a song, you know what I mean? Well, to, to me, he was the first guy after, you know, Eddie and Randy that actually changed guitar. Right. You know, you know that really did something new. To me, he was yeah. like, he was like the thrash Eddie Van Halen, but he had, he had just as much equal Randy Rhodes in him as he did Eddie Van Halen. 
and, and combine that with fucking thrash. It was just a totally original sound. Now, anybody can say he wasn't one of the greatest ever. You know, you're, you're, just, you're, you're fucking retarded. I'm sorry. I read, I read an article from, you know, from Dime, and I forget where it was a long time ago on the... Uh, on the Tranquil album, and he said, you know, like you were saying about the, the sounds, the noises, the different shit that you don't hear anywhere else, you know, that innovative shit that he was doing, that's what he was going after, man. He would sit in the studio and, and bang fucking beer bottles against his fucking, his fucking pickups and strings, you know, can I recreate that sound? You know what I mean? And and that's that's the whole thing, man. Innovation, just stepping out there and being able to do it. Because, you know, it, to 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 be able to do that every time live too. And if you watch Dime live, he's fucking perfect. Unlike a lot of people, you see a lot of people live, and you go, wait a minute, that's not the same solo, or you know, especially if you're a musician and you're looking for that shit, you're trying to pick it out, you're trying to dissect it. You couldn't dissect this guy. All the shit was there, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he made it, they made it look so flawless live. Like, the thing about Dime, he was very much original, but there was certain elements of the song. It's like if you get Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, and Ace Fraley, and put it in a blender, and you get right. like you get a lot of uh, Dime signature. Like, like his solos, a lot of his solos were very melodic, like what Ace Fraley used to do. But oh, well, uh, but exactly. it didn't sound like Ace Frehley, but it was the same. It's kind of like out of the same book, but he interpreted it his way. But he did do a lot of solos, which were songs within songs, which Ace Frehley was perfect at. All right, the next one is Warner. Holy fuck, the groove on this motherfucker. Uh, oh, man. Uh, this to me sounds like uh, it could have been on Vulgar Display. Absolutely. It, 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 it's got... It's got the power groove of Vulgar, and, but without being repetitive. Uh, but I love the fucking build-up on this, man. You know, the, you know, the build-up before the breakdown, and they were the masters of that. And this song is just absolutely incredible. I love how pissed off Phil sounds on this song. You know, and, and, and particularly this whole album. I mean, Phil always sounds pissed off, but I mean, there's just there's something about the vocals on this one. And, you know, it sucks that there was reasons why they recorded it separately. Normally, I hate shit like that. I prefer the band to be together and recording as a band. But the way they multi-tracked the vocals on this is, is incredible. And, uh, and and it is. It's their most experimental. And it's to me, it's their most satisfying, really. I mean, this is, uh, spoiler alert, this is my favorite Pantera record. And uh, not taking anything away from all the other ones... But this is the one go-to where I can get a little bit of everything all in one album. Everything that's great about Pantera is on this album, and then some. Uh, absolutely love Warner. Ralph, what do you think? Yeah, like what you were saying, you know, at this time, uh, this was like when Phil was really fucking knee-deep in heroin and very pissed off. Like, he was kind of like, you know, you can equate it to like, you know, Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder, how they didn't like fame. But it wasn't that Phil didn't like fame. He was just pissed and all drugged out. And it really blended well with the music. Because, you know, before this, Phil was kind of like a like how he is now. Because I, I met Phil on the boat and the guys... I mean, if you've seen the ID to the show, uh, the video ID, I mean, the guy is hilarious, you know? 
and he loved being with people and he's just but he was the complete opposite at this time because I tried to meet Phil on the reinventing the steel tour and when they escorted him to the bus it was like he was surrounded by people so, so no way you can get near him but uh, where the boat he was there standing alone you know while people came up to him anyway but uh, yeah you hear him like fuck the world you know he's just beyond pissed and I think he was just beyond pissed during his whole time I guess pissed at his bandmates pissed uh, at maybe his fame well, I, you know, I, I think he's pissed. He's, he's dealing with the pain, and, and then the, the, the pain of becoming a junkie because of your pain. You know that that can't be. Yeah, a, and he had uh, back problems. And Kristen, what do you think of yeah. that? Man, that that song is just a fucking epic song, dude. I love it. I love it. I I think what it did was, like you said, it had that groove that went back to vulgar. You know, it's it's Pantera giving every one of their fans a little bit of something you know because you got the heaviest of the fucking thrash fucking just i don't even know what you call that great southern trend kill fucking heaviness starting it off and then worn out right after it with a with a little bit because you know there's so many people that love that album vulgar they just that's their album you know and i love but I'm with you on this uh, Great Southern Trent Hill, my favorite fucking album. Yeah. Because it, it's so diverse, you know, and it's so complex, and it gives a, everybody a little taste of everything that Pantera's ever been, you know. And, and, and that's what I loved about it. Because after, once again, after Far Beyond Driven, we didn't get to hear Pantera do that 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 I don't want to call it a ballad because that's not the word. You know what I'm saying? But that slow song with the melodies in it, in it, in it and the vocals that we were looking for. You know that we've heard on on Cowboys and then Vulgar. We didn't hear it on Far Beyond Driven. And you look for that nugget and you don't have it, but you have it here. But this was Warner was another one of those nuggets. You know had that groove to it. It had that, the, the still the heaviness and the anger, and it, it was just a fucking anthem for Pantera and for Phil, like you said. Awesome. Yeah. Here's why don't you take the next one, the first single off the album. Absolutely, drag the waters, man. That that is uh, that's 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 another one that goes with. That's like the walk of this album. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it's kind of what I equated to, you know, and and it would be probably the most, and for lack of a better word, commercial Pantera song on that album that yeah. we could prove. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And yeah, that, that everybody can, you know, say, yeah, we, you know, we can play this song and whatever. Not one of my favorite songs on the album. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm after the heavy fucking. The, 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 the grit of this album but I, I love Drag the Water just such a fucking badass song love it love it but yeah, I, I, I call it I call it the walk of this album well you know? I, I, I agree with you 100% just like the previous album uh, the third track of uh, 5 Minutes Alone is kind of like the walk of that album and here's the walk um, I think it's a great song uh, I do agree it's not one of my favorite songs on the album never played live I don't think I know I never seen him play it live they made a video no. for it that looked like they spent 10 cents on it, and I love yeah. that. <laughs> yes, yes. It's such, gonna, a, bring that up. it's such a cheap-ass right. video, but I love it. And uh, yeah. you can tell, like, it, it really does look like fucking Phil is very smacked up in that video. 
Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, and that, and also, I mean, nothing to do with the music, but at this point, it's like, hey, look, Phil Soma wasn't going bald because he shaved his head for yeah. the fuck of it because he has a you know, full head of hair, you know, in the video. Drag the Waters too. I think it was his his revelation of his uh, of his inner fucking dirt too. You know what I'm saying? Like this is me, man. I'm talking about me right here. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, the guy was doing bad at this time. We we know this. You know, he died. He died a couple of times. Uh, 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 I think once on stage in Dallas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and during this tour. So, so uh, you know, it's just uh, this was something. That, you know, sort of a, a, a revelation of his inner demons. You know, you got to know people a little better. You know. And, and and that was, you know, I think that's what he was saying there. Could be wrong, but, you know, I, you could feel a lot of pain on this album coming from him. What, what do you think of this song, Ian? Uh, I, I love it. I, I do think it's a great choice for a single because it is, uh, if you could call anything on this album accessible, it, it is accessible and it has that hook. And I love how it talks about, you know, uh, like, from what I get out of it, I get, like, you know, the media and, and, you know, shit going on. There's even, like, you talk about the guy killing his girl. Kind of reminds me of the OJ shit that was going on then. You know, and it's like, dig a little bit deeper and you'll find out. And it could be, like, sublimity. It's like, dig a little bit deeper and you might find out why he's in so much pain is because of this other shit. And it, it, he's not only, he's hiding stuff from the band at this point. He's hiding his addiction from the band. And, sure. uh, you know, and if you dug a little bit deeper, you know, you know, they didn't know this shit was going on. You know, they, they didn't know he was on heroin, you know, and this is where he's on his own bus and he's retreating yeah. away from the band. You know, he's, yeah. he's recording vocals in a different studio. And, uh, but he's dealing with not only emotional pain, but physical pain and he's self-medicating. And I, I think a lot of this stuff, uh, these lyrics kind of remind me of the rest of the album if you dig a little bit deeper and knowing what you know now you can kind of see his pain coming through in these lyrics but it, it, it is it's, it's a great song uh, I, I do love what you said about the video yeah it looks like you know compared to the other ones it does it looks like they spent like a buck fifty you know yeah. and, I, and I'm laughing at all the extras because I'm trying to figure out who they are because I'm guessing like it's you know like Guy Sykes and Sterling Whitfield, you know, and all like the, you know, the, the inner sanctum, you know, you know, where's where's Tongs at in this video, <laughs> you know, I'm waiting to see all these guys, um, but I, I do I do love the song, and then it leads into where I think that the album really takes roots, and that's Tim's. And, oh my God, it's so eerie and haunting. And, and and Phil's vocals, oh my God! I mean, I said as much as I wish they recorded as a band, you know, maybe for art's sake it worked out better how they did it, because I think this is the best recording of his vocals. You, you know, and, and the way they they they, they double track him and do all this shit, you know, and the whispering and everything. And this is really Pantera expanding their sound. And there's not one thing on here. That that's like sellout, but it is like branching out, you know. And, and I kind of, uh, you know, like to me, Metallica in the '90s very much sold out, but.
But like, uh, I, I think what Anthrax did was Sound of White Noise and, and stuff like that was expanding their sound without selling out. And I think that's what Pantera did here. It was a natural progression. Not one based on money. Not one based on, we're going to get this radio hit. But rather, let's let's see where we can take this. Let's see what we can do. We've done the heaviest shit that you can do. You know, let, let's try going to different places. And they do that so successfully on this album. And Tins is a perfect example of that. Absolutely love this track. Probably my top three on this album. I love it. What do you think, Kirsten? That's such a sick song. And, you know, what I think right there is this is where Trent Reznor touched that recording. Okay. Like you say, with the, with the overdubbing, the overlapping of tracks, the vocal tracks and things like that, I see, I was a, I was a Fred Reznor fan as well, man. The guy, the guy's a fucking genius. So how can you not appreciate him, you know? And, uh, to see these, this guy, you know, it, it, him being in Trent Reznor's studio right there and the type of, uh, uh, mixing that was done on the vocals, you can see the fingerprints of Trent right here, and that's where you kind of get that that feel like it's it's crossing over into something. You know what I mean? But it's all fucking Pantera. It's all deep and dark, and it had it, it kind of had a weird, eerie, savagey feel to it for me. This is where Phil found that vocal, you know, that, that low vocal range that he's pretty much stuck to from, from, from then on out, you know, and I like it. I love it. You know, yeah, it was defined. I, I agree. It is a little bit of a, a little bit of a departure a little bit, like, you know, unlike, you know, far beyond, even like, you know, the other two before, you know, where it constantly heavy, 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 heavy. Well, this one, it is heavy, but it's showing a different shade, and uh, I do appreciate that about this song. Uh, but I can't say it's one of my favorites off it, but I do like it. I don't think there's a bad song on this album. Um, no. But it is, uh, you know, it was treated, I guess, as a filler type. Because I'm, I'm sure this wasn't played live either. And, uh, sure. But but it is a good track. It's a great track. And, yeah, I like the little... Uh, left and right turns that, that are on it and yes I agree with Ian the, the vocals on it are really really good and I think that's what Phil needed man Phil at this juncture of his heroin addiction I don't think it would have been a, a wise thing I don't think it would have worked as well if he was stuck in his studio their studio in Texas you know where he did yeah. it on his own time and he did like a, a couple of fucking injections before he did the track and <laughs> I, 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 th I think a great use of the song is in the Pantera 3 home video where they show him just on tour. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's like, you know, video slow motion shit. Oh, oh, yeah, from out of the bus and they see a car wreck and all this shit. But just that haunting guitar to me is like, God, that itself was a great video, but uh, uh, very much expanded. Awesome track. Uh, going into the next one, which I did, I did see him play live once. Uh, at the Miami Arena, which was 13 Steps. Oh my God, I love this. And and if you notice at the very end, he says 13, 13 times. 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13 steps. You know, whatever. I know it's 13 times because I counted it. And uh, 
What a badass fucking song. I, I love it. I love that really killer guitar. And here's something that is really good about this song. The song does not contain a guitar solo. Now, it would be bad if the whole album didn't have guitar solos. But just to show you, that Dimebag, and that's another step, that's another page from Eddie Van Halen. Even though Eddie Van Halen, I think every song has a guitar solo. But Eddie Van Halen never did shredding guitar solos all the fucking time. Listen to Ain't Talking About Love. Listen to uh, Jamie's Crying. There's uh, Everybody hey, Wants hey, Some. Uh, l- listen to any album with Sammy Hagar. There's no guitar solo. Well, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's all keyboards. There's, there, there's no Eddie Van Halen on there either. You know? uh, there's, no, there's no testicles on those albums. But, you know, the, the thing is that um, Dime didn't even put a fucking solo on here, on this song. But the, the little solo section is like, you know, that creepy guitar sound, which is it's just riffs, you know, but it still works. And that's what I love about Eddie Van Halen is that Eddie Van Halen, when he does music with David Lee Roth, of course, he does it to benefit the song. He doesn't do it to show off. And, and and Dimebag does too, but the thing is that Dime, Pantera music, it doesn't. It's not like it's calling it to show off, but boy, like a good example is like Domination and shit like that. If you don't Ooh. rip, if you don't rip during that song, then that song doesn't sound complete. You know what I'm saying? So, and this song, if you listen to it and really analyze it, it doesn't really call for a shred fest. It doesn't even call for a guitar solo. And, it show, and he shows it. And that shows you the genius of Dimebag, where it's like, dude, I'm a guitar player, I'm a guitar hero, but I'm here really for the song. And and, and it shows very much in 13 Steps. Standout track. Just an amazing goddamn song, dude. And like you said, man, fucking, you know, no need for the solo right there, just because it's such a full and complex song. Yeah, I love 13 Steps, man. Uh, the lyrics is, is is what really impresses me about that song. I mean, Bill dug down into the into the into the trick bag right there. You know what I'm saying? And pulled out some shit. You know, uh, a fucking Nazi gangster Jew with pizza dog. <laughs> and this fucking shit is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, where do you get this shit? I mean, I've been writing for a long time. I've written thousands of songs, and this song, to me, I mean, yeah, it's brilliant musically. Everything they've ever done is, but this, this, the the lyrics here blow me away, man. There's a, there's a lot to them, and and uh, that was probably my favorite track off the album. I would go to the next track, which was the second single, believe it or not, off this album, and it is Pantera's highest charting single. And this is what's so funny. This song made it to number 10 on the mainstream rock charts. And there's nothing mainstream rock about this fucking song. But it, but it is Suicide Note Part 1. Holy fucking shit. Uh, as we all know, we all saw this tour. Uh, you know, uh, Death Tones opened up. Then fucking White Zombie came out. And in my opinion, did an incredible fucking show. And then... It was Pantera time. And there were, there was this huge curtain drop, and you see all these fucking pentagrams and pot leaves going all over the fucking curtain while you hear this song. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Because every Pantera fan there already had the album, already knew what was coming out. But you hear this, like, beautiful... It, it's like P- 
Pantera meets Pink Floyd meets Sabbath. And, uh, you know, Phil's singing of his struggles. The voice sounds so good. But you hear this and the anticipation. It's so beautiful. You hear, uh, for the first time, you hear Dimebag on a 12-string acoustic. Oh. And it's just absolutely amazing. And, yes. and then, bam, the fucking curtain would drop and you would hear part two. But we're not getting to part two yet. We're talking about part one. And um, just amazing. And a great example of why this is my favorite is because of the light and the shade. You have the awesome heaviness. And you have something like this that they've never done before. But um, there's not one thing about it that's sellout or like trying to get on the radio. It's just them being true musicians, branching out, trying something that is still... Even though it might not be as heavily, uh, heavy musically, it's heavy emotionally, and and just you know, it, it's as heavy and stronger than all, but just in a different way, and it's absolutely amazing. I love, love one of my favorite songs, probably tied for my favorite song on the album. I love Suicide Note Part One. Kirsten, what do you think? Oh my God, this fucking song, man. Uh, you know. And, and once again, if I say favorite song on the album, I'm fucking lying because I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I definitely know. I definitely with this one, I definitely know. You know, I could get done with 13 steps and go. And, and this is a song where you, yeah, I mean, this is a, an album where you never skip a fucking song, and that's every Pantera album. But, but this right here, man, every time I hear it again, you know, and, it, and like you said, you. You don't see Dime playing acoustic. And I put that on my page before. I said, can anybody get me any footage of this man with a fucking acoustic guitar playing some acoustic shit? You know what I'm saying? Because you know that he was sitting at home playing that fucking thing. Of course, he never got the Dean out of his hand that much. But now now we, we, we see this right here on Suicide Note Part, part 1 and that feeling of that. Yeah, I, I'm saying this is where the, that it, the southern soul of this album really stands out, I think, and, and dimes southern roots, man. And uh, uh, you kind of feel it there, man, in that intro. And with, with him playing that acoustic guitar, it's a, it's a, it's a nugget, man. It's got to be one of the greatest Pantera songs ever just because of that, just for that reason, you know. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful song, man. I love it. You know, the deep fucking vocal in that song, the, the lyrics, the pain, everything is amazing. Uh, it's, it's... One thing I did hear, Kirsten, uh, I don't know if it was Washburn or it was Dean, uh, but one, one of the guitar ma- manufacturers sent him uh, a 12-string guitar. And wow. he said he wrote this based on them sending this as a guitar. That's how he came up with the guitar part. You know, and then wow. they, they wrote the lyrics around that. But that was like, and he sent it, he sent it back to him as a thank you for sending him that guitar. Wow, I did not know that, yeah. man. That's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, great song, dude. Love it. I um, yeah yeah I I also love this song. Um, yeah, it is great. A great one-two punch. You know, it's like the light. You know, it's heaven and hell. But even though maybe this one's even more darker than than the next track, actually, Suicide Part Two. In, in a way, I think you're right. It I is darker right. uh, because I don't know, man. In a way, it's kind of like this is a 
like what we said earlier, this is when Phil was like heavily into uh, heroin. And uh, even though I'm pretty sure he was heavily into heroin on the next album too, but at this time, he you can tell the lyrics on this album, there's a lot of uh, emotion and a lot of depression in some of these lyrics, but not like, you know, your shoe staring depression that, you know, the grunge bands were doing at the time. Yeah, it was yeah, more yeah. like uh, depression and drug addiction. Probably because yeah. you know he talks yeah. about trying cocaine. It, it, it's not like corn where my daddy fucked me. Yeah, yeah, it's not. No, no, this is more like you know heroin's fucking me, and <laughs> um, and it's just it's dark as fuck. It's it's out there. It's not what you'd expect from a Pantera record, but yet it's just as heavy as any fucking Pantera song there is. But uh, as far as like vibe wise, emotion wise, and. And then it goes into this next song that's just fucking out, so out of control that uh, it's just them. Uh, let's let's go back to being like the most insane, crazy, fucking heaviest, stronger than all, uh, top the kings of metal. That's how uh, uh, Phil would say in the beginning of the shows. He goes, "We are the kings of metal." Yeah, I know Manowar first tagged that, but uh, as far as like popularity wise. Pantera were indeed the kings of metal yeah, of the night. Yeah, yeah. this made Man of War sound like the queens of metal. Exactly. Well, Man, Man of War was, you know, they, they were big overseas. You can't discount their popularity. But in, in, in America, no. They didn't. They, they, they weren't even a pimple on the ass of the popularity Pantera had. And also, Man of War was like, you know, I mean, I love Man of War. Don't get me wrong, but I love Man of War, but I also love Spinal Tap. You know, I love Man of War right. in the same way I love Spinal Tap. I think it's goofy and funny, but yet. It makes me go, fuck yeah, the gods made heavy metal, and they said that it was good. They told us to play it ha- louder than hell, and we promised that we would. I mean, it's so stupid, but it still makes me raise my fists and say, fuck yeah, metal! You know what I mean? Okay, I'm, I know, I'll never grow up, I'm 50, I understand. But Pantera I love for a different reason, uh, where it's a, more, it's a little more intellectual. Uh, uh, I know that, that word doesn't go hand in hand with... Pantera, but Phil Anselmo did write lyrics that were a little bit open for interpretation. They weren't so cut and dry. They weren't, you know, so, you know, uh, other bands play Man of War Kills type shit, you know. It was, you know, you had to, like, open your mind and and get what this guy was saying. And, uh, yeah, Suicide Note Part 2, a mainstay on on the set list, as I remember after this was done. Uh, They did it even on Reinventing uh, that show I saw on Reinventing it threw this one out so it wasn't one of those songs that only stays on that tour so I, I can tell they really did like this song and I love this song it's just so fucking out there and crazy and it is like kind of a throwback to the previous album you know with a lot of guitar effects and just extreme fucking metal extremely fast and just all over the place did Seth sing on that one? Yes. Yeah, I yes. figured he would. It's, it's more, you know, it's almost, it, it's borderline AC. It's borderline an, anal cut in, in a way. You know, I mean, the anal cut was way more, you know, fucking sporadic than this. But yeah, it had that element of just off the hinge fucking song that was like, you know, you, you, you couldn't chain this song down. It was like, you know, like the Tasmanian Devil in a song. You know, just going around. It was like a fucking tornado that was nonstop and insane. And Suicide Note Part 2 is a fucking motherfucker of a song. I loves it. What do you think, Ian? 
Oh my god, it, it, it's so brutal. Uh, you know, as talking about this tour, this is the one where they would start out playing Suicide No Part One. The curtain would drop, and they would go right into this. And I think it's just as heavy as the heaviest fucking Slayer song or the the heaviest death metal song. Uh, you you can't outpower the Suicide Note Part Two, uh, man. And there's no way you could hear this song without fucking headbang. There there was no way if you love metal, you cannot just like listen to it. You have to bang your fucking head, and especially that fucking breakdown, which. Of course, Dimebag was the king of the breakdowns. Uh, amazing. I mean, just, it is so brutal. So fucking brutal. Heavier and stronger than all. I love Suicide No Part 2. Pierce, what do you think? Just a sick, sick fucking song. I remember, and I don't I don't know if they did this at every show, but I'm, I'm sure he did. Uh on that song when they announced it Phil said this is this is our love song do you, do you remember that yeah it, 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 yeah, man. yeah and and then they broke into fucking suicide no part two and it's just like pure fucking mayhem you know outbreaking you know I took my little brother to that show and uh, I think he was about 14 at the time and when this happened this little man, he's not a little boy. He's a, he was about 6'2 at the time, about 220. He just head straight headlong into the pit. It, you know, and, and, and at the end of the song came out demolished, you know? And it was just, just such a good fucking memory. But, uh, you know, Suicide Note Part 2, not, not one of my favorite songs on the whole album. That's, that, that's not what that song was about, you know. It was about pure brutality, you know, and, and, and just being as progressive and heavy as Pantera could be. And then, like you said, that breakdown, you know, that's, that's where all these, that's where the breakdown comes from, you know. Is, is 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 fucking dime in these in these little fucking groovy little breakdowns that he did, and I used to think, man, why don't you just make a whole album <laughs> out of out of these fucking breakdowns? You know what I'm saying? And 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 write songs around them. But you know that was the beginning of it right there, and I love that song. It's a it's fucking. Beautiful. But all right, so what's the is the next one living through me? Yes. Okay, I. Fucking love this one. Ooh, do I love this one. This one is very, definitely a deep cut. Definitely what they would think is a filler because they never played it live. But it's so fucking heavy. And so, you know, uh, my favorite form of metal is traditional metal. And there's a lot of traditional metal in this song. You know, with, you know, with a, with a lot of Pantera in it too. But, you know, that whole, a dirty smelling girl. You know, I just love that shit, man. It's just so heavy. And then it goes into this real weird middle section, which is, I don't know what the fuck you can call it. Just noise and whispers from, from fucking uh, that's, Phil. That's got to be Trent again. That's got to be Trent again. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. I can, yeah, I can say, I can say that's a little industrialish, you know, because it's just weird noises. And then it goes right back into that riff. Uh, Living Through Me is, again, one of my favorite songs on this album. Uh, probably my second favorite, but my favorite is a three-way tie. 
So, uh, all right, Kristen, uh, tell me what you think of uh, Living Through Me. Well, Living Through Me is just a cool ass fucking song because that that little uh, that little period of the whispers and the and the talking. I don't know if you've heard what he says in the background, but you know, a lot of times he's saying "smoke this," you know, and shit like that. And it's just real cool. You can hear the fingerprints of fucking Trent Reznor on that shit for real, you know. And I just, you know, it's it's I like it. It's uh, it it, it was a different path for them to take right there and uh and brave for them to do it you know and I, I just i like the song great song uh, you're not gonna hear me say anything bad about any pantera song not my favorite once again but just it's fucking badass i love it yeah, I agree. Uh, all right yeah. uh to me it is one of my favorites and i think it's a perfect follow-up to, to Suicide Note Part 2. I love it. Uh, what he's actually whispering there is, I hate Van Hagar. Can you believe... <laughs> can you believe this great band turned into a piece of shit? Oh, my God. I wish Sammy Hagar would die. I mean, if you play it slow, it, it's clear as day. Uh, if you like Sammy Hagar, fuck you, uh, is what he's saying. Uh, amazing song. Uh, man, this is one I would love to hear fucking live. You know, like if they ever did anything, you know, I hope hopefully, you know, Kirsten, your your project works and they get back together and do something. And I would love to hear gems like this thrown out. You know, much more so than like a a greatest hit set because to me that would be very boring. Even though I mean, there's no song that I wouldn't want to hear really, but uh. I would really love to hear obscure tracks thrown out for the true Pantera fans. And I think, I think this is one that, you know, true Pantera fans would go apeshit for. Absolutely love it. And then it goes into Bloods, which, oh my God, the, the epic track of the album. And, and, and possibly of their career. I mean, this is like uh, Zeppelin meets Floyd meets Sabbath. Uh, you know, this sounds like it could have came off of uh, House of the Holy or fucking, you know, Physical Graffiti. Uh, it is so amazing. And the solo, you know, you know, as most people say, this is the solo. And it dates back to like, uh, even uh, if you look at the Dime Vision, there's uh, footage of him playing like the end part of the solo back in 1988. So this is something that was definitely... You know, you know, it took some time, and, and he gave it time, and he didn't release it until it was ready. Uh, it's just an amazing track, and, and the great whispering vocals from Phil, and uh, you know, a quote that that Dimebag said that I didn't really get until I read his quote and I went back and listened to it. He said he was able to go to all these different places with the solo because of Rex. And because of what Rex was playing on bass, and Rex, Rex really is the unsung hero of Pantera. Oh, I, I, I mean, you know, true Pantera fans know and love Rex, but uh, he gets overshadowed, I, I think, a lot, just like John Paul Jones did in, in Led Zeppelin. But if, go back and listen to the bass playing, huh. and how free and how natural and beautiful it is on this song, and then. 
that same time with your other ear, listen to this solo and see where where Rex laid, you know, the forefront for him to go off wherever he wanted to go. Absolutely amazing. One of the greatest tracks they ever did. I love Floods. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, tied for my favorite, uh, like I said, three-way tie. This 13 Steps and title track. It is, to me, their stairway to heaven. It, it is the the epic, the most epic of all Pantera songs, in my opinion. This song is so good that Pan- I know a few Pantera haters that love this song. Um, believe it or not, more than one. I've met more than one. I go, man, I can't stand Pantera, but I like Floods. You know, and and oddly enough, all of them are guitar players. And anyway, so yeah, this song is so fucking good. Uh, it goes through little changes, and I love that stormy sound effect on it. And uh, God, wasn't played live uh, on the the both times I saw the tour, but. They played it on the Reinventing the Steel tour, which was awesome. They threw that one out. And I love when bands do that. Like, I, I go see a band and they don't play my favorite track off the album or one of my favorites. And then I go see them the next year and they do play it. I love when bands do that. They throw out a track that wasn't on. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was a... Uh, I, I, I won't. I know there are other bands that have done it. There's bands I go in to go see live. And they wouldn't play a certain song. Oh, uh, Def Leppard. Um, uh, uh, Pyromania tour. They didn't play Die Hard to Honor. But then they played it on the Hysteria tour. Which I, I love shit like that. I love, you know, even though that, that show was kind of shitty. But, it, you know, that Die Hard to Hunter made up for it. And, um, but back to, and by the way, uh, Dimebag also has said on record that one of his favorite guitar players is Pete Willis. I don't know if you guys know this. Nice. Yeah, he has gone on record saying Pete Wills is one of his favorite oh, guitar players. Oh, oh and he, he spoke at great lengths about After the Night. He loves Yeah, he loves that fucking album. So do I, man. But uh, Floods, yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, uh, tied for my favorite uh, off this album. Love it. This is one song that I can... You know what? Fuck it, man. It is the best track on the album. I, think about it. I will put it above the other two. I just think it's like their stairway to heaven. I think it's epic. It's very original. And uh, great, great guitar work. Not only the solo, but just the vibe of, you know, what he's doing. That echoey type riffs. It's just fucking amazing. I love Floods. Take take the next one, because I don't even know what it is. Is it Sandblasted Skin? And uh, Underground America. Okay, go for it. Uh, the Underground America. Uh, love it. Uh, a great album track, very very Sabbath like in the riff. I love, you know, when it's and like the trend is dead. Oh my god, I feel when he says that. I mean, I fucking feel it. Um, a great way to me, I should say, to end the album because I think this and the next song are very much one track. That's what I was saying earlier. You were in the bathroom. I said the same thing about Suicide. Suicide Note should have been one song. Even though they're both very different. Right. It would have been cool if it was one song. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I kind of see where, why they did it. But then in a way, I totally get what you said. But uh... it, It's more understandable to see those as different tracks. Even though I would like Suicide Note to be uh, one track. But boy, the last two tracks. Yeah, that is one song to me, man. Right, but but yeah, exactly. I mean, while while I see those are like two sides 
of a coin, if you will. Um, this, to me, is very much one side of the coin, and it's it's all tits. It's fucking awesome. And you uh, should review it as both songs, Ian. Okay, I'll review it as both songs. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, again, I'm not sure why it's a different track. I think it would it should be like a great like seven plus minute closer to the album. Uh, it, it's just it, it's a it's a great way to because it's heavy, but there's you know there there are slower parts, but uh, I mean an album that's that's taking you on so many uh, emotions and so many levels. This is a great way to end it out, and, and it flows so seamlessly into Sam Blast and Skin, the reprise, that to me it is one track, and like, holy shit, they're still fucking punching you in the fucking face, uh, but then it's done, and of course it's the 90s, so there's part of a hidden track where you have, uh, you know, you have the silence, and then it comes back in, that's a very 90s thing that does, does kind of date it, but, uh, it's my favorite Pantera record of all time and uh, a great way to take it out uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, what was what uh, I said that, the Rick you know just yeah. just, just that it's a, it, it's a epic closer that just you know you've been beaten over the head with all this brutality with a little bit of beauty in between and here's something just equally as heavy and light and shade to uh yeah, you you can say overall this is uh, Pantera's sabotage. Yeah, I know. I, I totally agree with that. Totally yeah. agree with that. Uh, it, yeah, it has the light and the shade that delivers the knockout punch. Absolutely love it. What do you think, Kirsten, of the last two songs? Man, when I listen to this album, it's like it's like going to a fucking concert. You know, it's like from beginning to end. And this is like you said. You know, the the. You feel it in in underground, like it's about to end. You know that's that's it's taking you out, and and then sandblasted skin is like a fucking encore that just comes out of nowhere. You know, and just fucking gives you a little little one last little taste of brutality to let you know that you you know you just fucking got destroyed. You know, and this this album. Is the shit, dude, from beginning to end. It, and and that's amazing that you said that it is uh, Pantera sabotage because that's exactly what this fucking album is, you know. And sabotage is my favorite fucking Black Sabbath album, so it's Phil's favorite Black Sabbath album, uh, you know. And that's exactly what this album is, you know. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I the way I look at this song, and and it was really. Uh, when I first heard it and during those years it was fresh it, it was totally like I so identified with this song because I was one of these people that could not stand the fact that metal was a bad word and I love the fact even though at that time Phil was a little to jump the gun because grunge was still going very strong at the time but you know we all knew it was going to die we did. I mean, as far as we all knew, metal was going to make a comeback. I can't. I can't tell you. I was very uh, happy about that. Like thinking it was. I was a little. I was a little dismayed back then. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Overkill is another band. 
that was still releasing like good metal albums. Not as thrashy as before. They became a little more groove because, you know, Pantera kind of like led the way to, you know, even Anthrax went groove. And, uh, sure. you know, but but my point of the matter is it, it was still uh, Pantera to me, like at that time when he was yelling the trend is dead over and over again, I was going, fuck yeah, die, die. You know, I wanted it to die. And while you saying it's dead, I go, I hope you're right, Phil, you know. But I will say this, and I don't know if I've ever brought this up on a previous episode, but being a metalhead in the 90s, I can tell you what was cool about it was when I would go see Judas Priest with Ripper or Ronnie James Dio in a little tiny club, they both played this place called uh, Button South that couldn't hold more than 500 people, maybe even less. But going to see an Iron Maiden, uh, I saw Iron Maiden in that club, well, more a little bit of a theater uh, it was not full at all. These are bands I saw in arenas to play right, to 10,000 right. people. Then oh, I go I see them it. in clubs to play to hundreds of people. But you know what was beautiful about that was those hundred people that were in that club yes. did not yeah. stray from metal. Like yeah. all the, 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 what is it, the 9,000 the 9, people that were at the arena for the Sacred Heart Show were no longer into metal. And you know what? It was beautiful to be in that community. And I remember you motherfuckers. And I'll tell you right now, even though he doesn't listen to a podcast, his name is Mario Jenko. He was there. Uh, Ruben De La Rosa. He was He was there. Um, uh, Alex Marquez. He was there. And these are people that were there during the 80s, but they stayed. And there wasn't many of us. I can name a lot more people that were gone. Yeah. No, no, that was the thing. When you did go, the people that remained were the people that still believed. And that was the beautiful part of the 90s. And I'll tell you, and let me tell you something. I love Allison Chains. I love Allison Chains. I have nothing bad to say about Allison Chains. But when I walked into that same club to see Corrosion of Conformity in 1993 or something, I remember this guy, he had long ass hair, he came up to me, and they were playing, uh, I think they were playing down a hole or something off dirt, they were playing, uh, you know, in the club, and the guy came up to me, he goes, this is the future, metal is dead, this is the future, and I, and I said to him, I said to him, metal will never die, you know, and I love Alice in Chains. But that is not the future. What the future is metal. It will always be metal. There'll be every type of music there is. But metal has been, you know, there was an article the other day. The guy wrote, metal is dead. I was like, dude, how many how many decades do I have to keep hearing the same shit? How metal's dead, metal's dead. In 1979, there was a, a Cream magazine where it says, is metal dead? I don't know if you guys remember that. Or metal is dead, heavy metal is dead. In 1979. Rolling Stone magazine has been writing its obituary since the first fucking Black Sabbath album review on the yes, birth of metal. Heavy metal, and, and Dimebag said a really cool yeah. thing. And, I, and, and Rolling Stone gave this album a two-star review, by the way. Too. Well, that, well, oh, I'm shocked. Well, here's the thing, and Dimebag said this during the 90s. He said, heavy metal is like, uh, is like a, a drill bit. Uh, I, I, I'm paraphrasing. I, I, he didn't say drill bit, but I, the way he said it was, you have all this popular music, but while all this shit's going on, metal is still drilling its way through, through the world. 
it, you, it's unstoppable. You just can't stop metal. Like the Tenacious D song. The metal. You cannot stop the metal. But it really is true because as long as... And let me tell you something. When metal really lives is when we have a Republican in the, in the fucking... Oh, oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. Bill Clinton. <laughs> the Bill Clinton 90s brought grunge. But, you know, when George Bush took office, there was a resurgence, boy. So, and, you know, and, and now, yeah, it's all about hip-hop and rap and all that shit. But trust me, man, there's going to be something that's going to happen again. I, I, I will say this. There's, there's times when I really, and I hate to say this, but sometimes I do believe uh, metal is dead. I mean, not to me, but I'm just saying as far as, like, new bands coming up and, and, and I get sad because I'm like when my generation's gone is this going to be gone but then if you look on our page there are so many young teenagers that are discovering this this music yes. and, and, and it fills me with such joy but my the biggest thing is I want is I want them to start a band and please, they will they will please, look. please start a band because I, I'm, I'm going to be 42 in May I believe my generation dropped the ball uh, as far as starting new metal bands because bands of my age started shitty grunge music. And, and I like some of those bands. Like, I love Alice in Chains. I like Soundgarden, but it's not metal to me. But, you know... Jesus Christ Pose is a total metal song. Right, I know, no, I mean, they, they, they do have some, but you know what I'm saying? As a genre in, in, in general... What I think is, is so depressing is nowadays it's like it's much easier to be a rapper or to just go on American Idol because you don't have to learn how to play guitar. You don't have to learn how to write music. If you're a rapper, you just sample shit that's already a proven hit or a proven good beat. You know, but I, I want this next generation that feel this music, that love it, to pick up a guitar and learn to play your instrument. And, and to play it well, and and to write from your heart, write from your soul, and and that's what we really need. Because as we're seeing, legends are dropping dead left and right, and who is going to pick up that torch? I mean, how many bands that are still out there now can can pack arenas like Pantera did in the nineties? I mean, you're lucky if you can fill a fucking club. Well, and, you know, can I can I interject something here real quick? Oh, of course. Because- I wanted to say, man, I've, I've said a few times that Pantera is like the Sabbath, like Sabbath was for us when we were growing up, you know, and and, and that's kind of what uh, Pantera drew off of, those those kind of bands, Sabbath, uh, Iron Maiden, Priest, of course, you know, and and you see that all those those bands were, were part of what Pantera was. So if these kids, like you're saying, draw from bands like Pantera, I can only imagine what can come from that. You know, right. it would be the, it would be the evolution of metal and it's gotta be something good. So there's another Pantera out there. Right. To... But they need they need to do it. Not play fucking guitar hero on fucking right. PlayStation, but to and actually that's... pick up a fucking guitar and do it for real. Don't right. take don't take the easy way, the lazy way these kids, you know, you got a bunch of soft-ass, candy-ass kids that play video games and never leave the fucking house. Get your ass in the fucking garage and learn how to play fucking guitar. Learn how to play drums. 
listen to fucking real metal and fucking do it. And god damn it, that's what I want, but I'm, I'm scared it's not happening. Well, the, the thing is, Ian, and uh, I guess because I went through the 90s, the dark years, and I mean, I know you did as well. Uh, you're not, you're not that, you're not that, uh... Oh, no, I was, I was there seeing the but, River Owens shows. I but, was, I was there. But here's the thing. At that time, it was very dark. And, yeah, I, I had my doubts, but, you know, seeing where metal is today, opposed to the 90s, and I know it's, it's so dark. I mean, fuck metal. I'm talking about every type of music. If you're gonna pick up a guitar and join a band, chances are you're not gonna make it because of the downloading situation. There's no money in it, but I still have faith there's going to be a band that's going to come and pick up that torch. And I'm not talking like a Slipknot or a Godsmack. Or, I mean, yeah. nothing against those bands, but they don't really carry the torch for me. They, that doesn't sound like metal to me. Right, it's, No, and I agree. And, and to a certain point, I think there's, like, like maybe we are in that dad metal phase. Like, maybe there is a band that needs to push it to the next level. It will level. happen. I think but, it will but, happen. But I, I haven't heard it. That, that tickles my funny bone that makes me go metal. You know, I find myself either going yeah. going back to the classics or going back to bands like Uncle Acid and the Dead Beats or, uh, I, I or, hear or, or, or Orchid that do more of a retro sound, which, why, while I love that, and I think it's incredible. There needs to be a new Pantera that takes it to the next level. And I haven't heard it. I haven't well, heard it. Well, the thing is, uh, Pantera, what Pantera did was somewhat, and fuck you, Exhorter assholes. I have to bring up Exhorter. But I feel like, oh, I, I, I feel like, I love Exhorter too, especially Slaughter in the Vatican. The law sounds like what Pantera, quote unquote, ripped off of them, but made and, it better. And, and I'm I, a. I see Kyle Thomas at almost every metal show. With okay, the I, I love I love Exhorter, especially Slaughter in the Vatican. I saw them on that tour, but uh, here's my point. My point is what Pantera did was something refreshing and new, and I have a feeling some band is going to do something refreshing and new. But what Pantera did was they did something refreshing and new, but they still had a nod to the old school, to the quote unquote dad metal. Now, here's the thing about dad metal. Anybody that uses that term, you're a fucking poser. And you're, and, and you're not a fucking metalhead. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, did get a, did, we did get accused of being a dad metal podcast, which I'm proud to be, by the way. Well, that, that was from a, some idiot that's into Slipknot and all this new shit that doesn't resemble. And nothing against you fans, because let me tell you something. If you love Slipknot and you love Judas Priest, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Yeah, hey, Mike Sears. Mike Sears loves all the old school shit, but he loves the new school That's shit. That's fine. Time. As long as you're not so close-minded, it's like I can't like Judas Priest because it's dad metal. Because if you if you think that way, you're a fucking poser. And I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, dude. I may sound close-minded and, and uh, over the hill by saying this, but seriously, this is actually a scientific fact. If you do not like Judas Priest or Black Sabbath, you are not a metalhead. You're just not. It, you're just not. You're, it, it just, it's like saying, oh, I'm, uh, I'm really into guitar players, but I hate Eddie Van Halen. That, it doesn't work that way. You know? <laughs> it just doesn't. You know? It's like, I like, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't like dad metal. Then, then you must love a nice sandwich of peanut butter and shit. 
Okay? Yeah, you, must, you must like a five-finger death punch in your anus. Five-finger yeah. death punch. Again, nothing against the fans. If you like five-finger death punch and you like Judas Priest, that's fine. But if you like five-finger death punch and you hate Judas Priest, you are not a metal fan. You're not. And you won't be in five years. Mark my words. You're a yes. fucking poser. Yes. I've known this because I have lived the metal life for 35 fucking years. Yes, before most of you little dad metal quote fuckheads. You thought I was going to say faggot, didn't you? Before most no. of you fuckheads uh, are running around saying dad metal. Yes, I know the one guy that goes, hey, did you, don't you guys review anything other than dad metal? It's like, uh, well, uh, if we were to review like Cage, like my favorite new metal band today, nobody would listen. Nobody would li- yeah, Nobody knows about Cage. And, and to these five finger death punch fans, just wait, just wait. Give it ten years uh, when Hot Topic no long no longer carries T-shirts in your size, and, <laughs> and, and then you'll feel our pain because I'm going to Hot Topic and I see these retro shirts and I'm old and I put out some pounds and they don't sell fucking double sexy in a goddamn Iron Maiden shirt. They sell Iron Maiden shirts to fucking twelve year old girls and I can't yeah. fit in that shit. <laughs> And there you go, Iron Maiden shirt for 12-year-old girls. Wow, let's see them show, sell fucking five-finger death punch shirts to 12-year-old girls in 10 years. No, it's not, because there ain't going to be no 12-year-old girls that want to buy that, or 12-year-old boys. Your music's a passing fad. It's bullshit. It's not going to fucking last. You and your Godsmacks. Godsmack ain't even in flavor anymore, are they? Uh, well, well, I mean... I, I guess they are in a way. I mean, uh, well, they're on their way out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're on their way out. Them and like disturbed and shit. They're not doing what they did. Uh, and I'm yeah, glad, like corn. And, and, and I'm glad in a way because it's it's a copy of a copy of a copy of. It's no yeah. different from like okay, uh, you got Led Zeppelin, then uh, then Great White comes along and rips off Led Zeppelin, and then you got bands that come along and rip off Great White, and it gets so diluted. You know, and that's what killed hair metal. And then you've got this shit like, you know, the grunge bands. There were some grunge bands that were truly great and innovative. And then you got a band that ripped them off and it's a little bit diluted. Silver chair. Right, right. Exactly. And then you get this shit. Like, it gets so far removed from where it came from. Uh, You know, it's a copy of a copy of metal. They were all right, man. Oh, shut up, fat boy. <laughs> boy. Look, look, it does, hey, look, it doesn't matter if you like these bands or not, but it's, facts are facts, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a fact, look, I, I like a lot of shit that people think is fucking horrible, but but I'm not, if somebody brings up facts about bands I, I love, but a negative sure. thing about the band, I'm not going to fucking discount it. Like, you know, there's not one. I, I mean, I can tell you, man. And, and if anybody likes any of this shit, that's fine. But there's not well, just God, not one God, new metal God, band that did anything for me, man. Not one. God's was a blatant fucking ripoff anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That, that shit right there, I just never liked it, you know. Right, I agree. Just, and, and the same, same with Disturbed. Disturbed is oh, You know, Godsmack, oh, the guy came out recently calling, oh, uh, Nikki Six, you're a, you're a has-been wash-up. Well, okay, maybe so, but you know what? He just ended a 35-year career with a band called Motley Crue. Let's see how long. Let, let's see how long Godsmack uh, lasts. And if you do last 35 years, 
let's see you do a farewell tour like they did. Exactly. I doubt it. So if he's a wash up, then you're fucking you're 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 a wash out. Shit. You're a wash. Wa- you're a wash down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me kick some facts on this fucking beautiful album we did talk about. That is a great Southern Trend Kill. It was released May seventh, nineteen ninety six. Produced by Terry Date and Vinnie Paul. It made it to number four on uh, the Billboard Hot 100. It did go platinum. It was their last platinum album. And, uh, man, just what an amazing time for for the true believers that were left. All right, uh, Kirsten, you are our guest, so why don't you go with your pick of the week? Man, my pick of the week would have to be the fucking, the, the new Lamb of God's Thermodrome. I like that fucking album. That's, I mean, if there's a metal band left that's doing metal, just the way you like fucking metal, I like that fucking album. It's got everything a metal album should have, and that'd be my pick. All right, nice. Ian? All right, well, my pick of the week is one I know you don't like, Ralph, but I absolutely fucking love. I think it's a great album, and that is the debut and only album from Damage Plan. Um, yeah, yeah. Not a fan, I, gotta admit. I, I, I am a huge, <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of this album. I think it's awesome musically. I like the lyrics. Uh, you know, vocally sometimes it's a little bit much going towards Phil, but there's also some other shade in there that I like. And um, you can hear some Priest in it. You can hear some Pantera. You can just hear some great fucking metal and some amazing guitar playing and drumming by Benny Paul and the great dime bag. And, uh, man, I, I, I so, like, want to, you know, really, I want to kick myself in the ass because uh, Damage Plan and Shadow Fall, another, one of the newer metal bands that I really love, they were doing this tour, and it was on a Wednesday. And I would have had to take the next day off of work, and I was like, oh, man, I really can't afford to take the day off. I'm like, I'll just catch them on the next tour, you know, and hopefully they come on a weekend. And uh, big mistake on my part because I never got to see Damage Plan, and it could have been, you know, it would have been my last time to see Dimebag. But I love uh, Damage Plan's Newfound Power. I think it's a great fucking album. That is my pick of the week. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, my pick of the week is uh, Kirsten's favorite Black Sabbath album, which we touched upon earlier, uh, Sabotage. Um, an amazing album. I even love "Am I Going to San Radio." I love that song. It's so quirky. I weird. love it. It's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, it's my, my well, my least favorite besides uh, "Superstar." Super no, Super Czar, or whatever the hell that's called. Yeah, yeah. I love that too. I just love this whole album because it's so. I don't know. I mean, this is like to me the Black Sabbath's like last solid, solid album because. As much as I listen to Never Say Die more than any of their albums, there's a couple songs I'm not too great, crazy about. Well, I love every song off Sabotage and every album before it. Though I have a hard time picking my favorite Sabotage. Most most of the time it's volume four, but then sometimes it's Sabotage, Sabotage sometimes it's Sabotage, sometimes even the first album in Master Reality. But uh, Sabotage is my pick of the week. Nice. All yeah. right. Well, now we got to go into Fan of the Week. And uh, fan of the week this week is Johnny Vaughn. 
And uh, Johnny Vaughn, you came to us through the Mojo Dojo. You are definitely a David Lee Roth lover, and that always uh, warms my cockles. Dave to the grave. That's right. And, uh, man, you, you join the page. You contribute a lot. You post a lot. And that's what we ask for, man. When you join the page, join it. Don't just, you know, sign up and then disappear. Become part of the family. And Johnny Bond has definitely done that. You are our fan of the week. All right. So uh, now we got to do what we do all the time is plug, plug, plug. And before we plug, let's have Kirsten plug his stuff, and then we'll go into our plugs. One more time. Tell everybody where they can join up for you, Kirsten. All right. You know, you can check us out on Facebook at the Pantera Project. And uh, that's the easiest place to access everything that that we're doing. You know, uh, information, latest information on the uh, the record, the tribute record that's going to be coming out. Um, you can go to change.org under Pantera Tribute, and you'll find us there on change.org. If you're if you're uh, you know looking to sign the petition, or, you know, just go there and check it out and see if you were. If you agree with what's going on with our little dream there, and uh, and we would really appreciate it if you sign it. But uh, biggest biggest thing is just go to Facebook and check out our group, the Pantera Project. You'll find us there. Awesome. Very Kirsten, very cool. Kirsten, thank you so much. And you know, from now on, you know, any other further Pantera review or you know something related like down, we would love to have you come back and talk about it. Because you are so passionate about this band and all the side projects. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, you were awesome, bro. Great, great enthusiasm. I like you as a guest, bro. We'll have you back. Thank you, guys. Appreciate uh, y'all. All right, uh, Kirsten. Take care, brother. Holler back at y'all later. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Now we get to the part that I got to do every week. The Facebook page is a family. Everybody is so interactive on that. And it is, it's one of the wildest sites on the fucking internet. It's fucking amazing. If you're not on our Facebook page, join. All you got to do is send a request. We'll let you in. And, uh, you know, then it's up to you to make the most of it. Also, go on iTunes. We're available on iTunes. If you're there, leave a review. Since I've started reading all these reviews on iTunes, we've been getting a lot more. I guess people like to hear... There's shit being read, and we will read it. So please go on iTunes, subscribe to us, leave a review. Very important. Of course, you can check us out on our home on Podbean. And when you go on the Podbean page, there's links to all kinds of amazing shit, like the Facebook page, like the Amazon page, like the Thrash or Die page, like the Combat page, uh, that Metal Station, the Indie Authority, all this shit you can find on the Podbean page. But most importantly, we're talking about that Amazon page. Get on there, give daddy some money. Ain't going to cost you a penny more and you get what you already want. Check us out on that metalstation.com where you can hear us Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and Thursdays. Our time's changed on Thursdays. I believe we're on now at 6 p.m. Eastern and followed both days by our... uh, by our show is the Dr. Fuck Show. Dr. Fuck has his own radio show. 
and it's doing amazing. Ralph, talk a little bit about it. Yes, it is a, a, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern is when I do it live, and I join the chat room, and, uh, you know, I play requests, and it's always a lot of fun. The chat room is not just us, like, uh, chatting away, which is a lot of fun. We all interact with each other. But also, you can put up pictures in the chat room. We And I was putting up funny pictures of, you know, my zany life, you know, all these crazy things I've done. I show, you know, th- stuff too risque for Facebook. So, uh, join that. And, you know, if you're not home, that's okay. Uh, go on, uh, get a free, it's a free app. You can download it on your phone called TuneIn Radio. You download it for free, and then you type in that metal station, and bam, you can listen to the Dr. Fuck Show and the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, which is aired before my show, both on Thursday and Sunday, like Ian said. Uh, Sunday, I go on at 1 p.m. right after Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. that starts at 11, and the same, but on Sunday, it's a rerun of what happens on Thursday. So, you know, if you miss it, you get another chance to listen, and believe me, it's fun. I... Uh, last week I did it drunk, and I, I, I want to do it mostly drunk. Also check out Mike Tyler's two amazing shows, one on Tuesday and one on Friday, and uh, directly inspired by our show, and I couldn't be more proud of them. Also check out The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. And now we'll mention some other podcasts that are friends of ours that promote us and we promote them. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians Producers, journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting PodKissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your PodKissed. Every month... Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Barbarian Rage is another incredible podcast. Hell yeah, Barbarian Rage. My boys in Barbarian Rage rule. And also, uh, I was going to say Ironcast. Fuck it, Ironcast. Brand new. Check them out. 
All right. Well, if you love that episode, and we know you did, uh, since we've had such an overwhelming support for the uh, Lemmy tribute, we figured let's do another one. And what would be a better guest than Michael Schenker, the great guitar god from Germany, is going to join us as we do a three-hour tribute to Falco, another wow. German genius. Wow. How long has he been dead? Not long enough. Oh, <laughs> not long enough. That's fucked up. That's gonna. This is gonna be one hell of a tribute. <laughs> not rock long me enough. Up, <laughs> rock me, Amadeus. Next week oh. on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Oh man. Fire!
you go.